We welcome back to the show today after 18 months away. You were last on literally the week before the first lockdown announcement. Ben Spindler, aka Tink Holloway on Twitter. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I tell you what, this this podcast is harder to get on than anything else I've ever experienced. <laughs> I think I contacted you, I don't know, about March time. Say, oh, you know, I'll come back on now. Yeah, well up for it. September, here we are. <laughs> Do you know what? It's um, I think it's reflective of uh coming out of lockdown because what what I've been what I've been tending to do is do. And, it, and it, the poor guest hosts have to do this but do three in one go and really the reason for that is so that I don't have to record so often because it's, it's become I'm sure your life's I mean our, our lives one thing in you know I remember watching the Dave Meltzer five-star matches back in spring summer of lock, the first lockdown and not having loads and loads of time which was at home the whole time and all yeah. of a sudden as things open up it's like where's that time gone basically yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And you know what? You, you're right. You obviously have lots more time. But also, I feel like during that first lockdown, we may all have perhaps explored a side of ourselves that we we, we weren't entirely sure was there before. Like, um, as you said, you did your five-star Dave Meltzer matches. Did you also do something with Bret Hart matches as well? Did yeah, I and I didn't, I didn't finish it, unfortunately. Oh, I was, um, so yeah, I, I was going to, I was trying to watch every Bret Hart pay-per-view Saturday night's main event and then select TV matches mm. and I got up to about I can't remember if we'd lost the title to Backland just before that basically I got up to that point but then it's like yeah all of a sudden you could do stuff again so it's very difficult and I also bought a PlayStation so that that I must be <laughs> honest the Bret Hart watch along was did full victim to 2k21 golf on a PlayStation which I probably paid for about 100 hours during that during that lockdown 3.0 but yeah it's just it's a bit different I mean I don't get me wrong it sounds like I'm complaining about life being open again but it's just such a different it's so so different being back to complete normality pretty much now um on the subject of wrestling, what are you, um, obviously when we last spoke, you were on an incredible quest to watch everything on the network mm. in day order. Where did you end up with that? Is that kind of gone the way of the Bret Hart watch along? Is that <laughs> something you're still sort of dipping in and out of? No, so that did die, but actually died with lockdown rather than as, as a consequence of coming out of it. I don't know mm. what happened. I just, I think I just, it wasn't long after we spoke and I, I just stopped and I had stopped before, like I'd had breaks. Um, and I'd got to, as I say, but at that point I was at mi- early 1983. So I'd watched a couple, you know, year of Mid-South, mi- year of world-class, year, seven years possibly of all-star wrestling. Terrible wow. show. Um, <laughs> absolutely terrible show. I, honestly, I've watched probably about 200 episodes of it and it is terrible. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'll come back to that maybe one point. Mi- um, year worth of Mid-Atlantic as well at that point and loads of Madison Square Garden shows. Um, and then a bunch of like just random stuff that they don't have as much of on the network anymore. They they moved, removed some of it, which is a real shame. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of stopped and then uh, I thought I'll probably pick it up at some point. And then, as I say, you kind of go through this weird thing with lockdown where you just start to explore things you not expected you would. So, for example, on my uh, my main personal Twitter account, I start I did a I hosted a kind of World Cup of british hit songs <laughs> oh great yeah um and i did it was ridiculous i did it like basically i took 32 songs from every year from 1956 through to 2020 wow. uh, 2019 sorry and so it was like 2048 songs in the end were involved in the tournament and it ended up kind of going for like two and three months maybe um yeah right the way through lockdown and so that just took up so much of my time 
And what was um, the final of that? In that it was season? well, it was really strange. So what I did is to kind of give you a little bit of context as well. So what I did is I kind of narrowed each year down to one song. Um, so I kind of did because that's why I did thirty-two songs from each year. So I could go okay, nineteen fifty-six round of 32 then round of 16 quarterfinal semi-final final and then you had a, a winner for that year if you like and then after that i did the winner of 56 against the winner of 57 winner of 58 against winner of 59 etc wow this is so incredible sort of <laughs> i'm in. massively into this sort of stuff so carry on yeah <laughs> so honed in on like you know from two sort of um the, the sort of two halves of the timeline i can't remember exactly where the split was and it ended up being bohemian rhapsody as you might imagine against um a little respect by um erasure which is really wow. weird yeah really weird I, to be honest i don't have a huge i mean i've got about i don't know 1300 followers on my main my main twitter account but that's not a huge amount of people when you're trying to um do a tournament like this and what you find is if if a couple of fans of a band or whatever cotton on to the fact someone's doing this they start like tweeting like the fan club Twitters of those bands and start going, oh, quick, vote for this, vote for that. So that kind of happened with, I think, a little respect. Not that I think it's a bad song at all, but it that's, I think that's kind of how it got to the final. And funnily enough, this is the worst part. Well, this is the worst part. I, I thought it was quite fitting. But the final itself, I had to stop. I had to close it after a couple of hours because... Um, the erasure, I'd because I'd realized this was happening with erasure, and it did happen to other bands. And I was kind of trying to keep it within the people who'd been voting all the way through because there had been some people like religiously voting every single round. Um, I was kind of like blocking some of the fan accounts because I, like, I don't want that to like skew the results too much. And I actually openly said that I'd done it because I, I was trying to be honest with people and say, like, I've had to do it because it just doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of this thing, yeah. And then a load of Erasure fan, account, fan accounts got hold of this and then started just a deluge on my, on my Twitter <laughs> account. And then literally, honestly, within about two hours of the of the final, and my rounds lasted like a day, within like two hours of the final, Erasure got about 750 votes and Queen had got like 150. And I was like, this is silly. I, this is this is really silly. So I just I just called it a tie. I was like, forget it. This is over. <laughs> this is a tie. The journey was far more important than the final, to be honest. Well, if there are any Erasure fan accounts listening at the moment, I'm sure there are many. I actually prefer the Wheaters version of that song, which is probably Ooh. quite controversial. So the, fun, the, the crazy thing is, mate, I, I really like Erasure, A Little Respect. I absolutely love it. And I do prefer it to the, the Wheaters version. Mm. And I'm actually quite a fan of Erasure. I'm a, a, I'm a big fan of just pop music throughout the ages, which is why I did it. And um, but so I was like, I would love it to win if it was going to win properly. But this isn't yes. properly. And yeah. I just was, you know, I was a bit disappointed by it. So Bohemian Rhapsody is a good song, but it, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a, uh, do you think it's a bit gimmicky? Is that fair to say? In it's, terms of, yeah. All Queen songs are gimmicky, though. Yeah, I suppose they are, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I guess Bohemian Rhapsody does it the the best, I yes. guess. I, yeah. I, I guess you could argue. So, um yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. I, I'm not actually a major Queen fan. I don't mind Queen. But um, I actually, I think I deliberately tried to um, be provocative about a couple of years ago by just literally doing a tweet, which was ABBA and then the more than sign Queen, <laughs> um, which I think I do believe in as well. But I also thought it would try, it would probably uh, piss some people off. So <laughs> Yeah, I think that's always, it's, it's always, there's always a time and place for that on Twitter, certainly. And, and you do get quite a lot of bites of things. I, 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 I've had my moments with that over, certainly over lockdown, there's not so much to do. But 
Oh, moving away from though, I'd like to chat Erasure and Queen for much longer. <laughs> I was going to say sorry, I've just like no, completely alienated yeah. everybody who tuned into this. <laughs> I wonder if Erasure was particularly big in America. I don't know the answer to that, but yeah, as most of the listeners are, are from, a, I, I just don't know how some of the, some of the listeners from across the pond stick with some of the, the especially my um my my mate Dan, who's uh, one of our good friends from um from I met through Gun FC Fulham, but we go off on a lot of foot a lot of football tangents and like one of the well, a couple of the episodes over the year you're pretty much completely dedicated to that and i'm like you're, if you grew up watching mid-south <laughs> you're not really you're not really getting what you want from this podcast at the moment but <laughs> on, on the subject of wrestling what are you watching at the moment what are you keeping up with and what are you enjoying we're, we're talking about we're talking what a little bit less than 24 hours after AEW's grand slam dynamite so yeah what are you what are you watching what are you keep up with what you're you enjoying at the moment well it's, it's really weird the last time i was on this show i was literally watching nothing other than the network and do it going through the going through the matches um and then and that remained the same right through last year and i thought to be honest towards the end of last year i thought i'm probably done with this now like i haven't watched anything new for i think i watched wrestlemania if i remember correctly the the no crowd no yeah, thunderdome wrestlemania yeah and um and then i kind of I was like, right, I'm done. I think I'm done with that. And I think I did see something else, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh, it was the one where Rey Mysterio had his eye taken out. Apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the other thing I watched. What an angle that was. Crikey, yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought, I, I got to the end of last year, I, thought, I think I think I'm probably done with this now. You know, like I think WWE's got so far away now from what I liked and have liked all my life. And that's fine. You know, I think if they're going for a different audience, no problem. And then the beginning of this year, one of my mates text uh, was we got me and two of my mates who I've known since school have this WhatsApp group where we just occasionally talked about wrestling. And honestly, no one had posted to it for years. And he just posted, Oh, I'm watching rumble 95. No idea why he just was right at the beginning of the year. So I, um, I, I kind of thought about it for a couple of days and I thought, you know what? I, I quite fancy doing a podcast and I've been thinking about a new idea for a podcast for a while because I'd done, um, I'd done loads when I worked for, worked for WrestleTalk TV. I did like 500 episodes of them of different podcasts. And I thought, Oh, I could, I could, I could, um, I, I could do that now. I could, I feel like I'm back in the zone, but I don't know what I would do it with because I'm not watching the current product at all. Um, and then, and then I just said, said to him a couple of days later, yeah, why don't we just do a podcast? And he was, and both of the two guys were on there. We're like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. And then through doing that, I kind of started paying attention to what was going on in real life. So we watched Rumble twenty the Rumble this year, for example, and then um, and then also I was watching AEW on ITV four when I kind of caught a glimpse of it. And I put a series record on, but not seriously thinking I'd watch it regularly. I just thought I put it on, and then I've got it when I want to watch it. If if it, if it comes up, yeah, yeah, I know. I keep I keep Raw and SmackDown series link, but I barely, I very rarely do I ever dip in at all. But I know what you yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to watch. Actually, I wanted to watch the Madison Square Garden SmackDown, but I just didn't get around to it in the end. Um, but so yeah, I, I did that, and then I watched it AEW. This is now a couple of times. I was like. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind this. It's all right. I I had been quite a cynic of it before. I'd watched it in like early 2020, I think. Before again, before lockdown, before we had our conversation, and I saw a match. I saw a show which started with Chris Jericho versus someone. I can't remember who it was now. Um, and I was a bit like, is it? It's just. It's just like WWE. Like they've just gone into a wrestling match with no context. It's a really long match. I don't really want to sit here and watch a really long television match again like over and over and over so i just sort of didn't i just sort of wrote it off but then as i said started watching it again at the beginning of this year 
and it's slowly got kind of seeped into my consciousness to a point where I think by June, I was kind of actually making an appointment to watch it on Saturday mornings because mm. it was obviously on the Friday nights. And I just got, got up and thought, I'll chuck that on. And I realized I was watching it regularly. And it was the first time, I think, that through choice, I've watched wrestling a uh, wrestling show every week with a, almost like on routine. Like the last time I'd done it was when I worked for WrestleTalk, but I felt like I was obliged to to do yeah, it because I was yeah. like covering the the sport and that but then so the last time I did it by choice would have been like properly probably 2002 so wow okay yeah. that's really interesting so so for the for the for the kind of um from from then onwards you weren't so were you what was your view in them were you watching the pay-per-views were you not watching Raw and Smackdown what was your kind of what was your routine back then or, or did you just kind of slowly fall or fall more away from it so back then, um, so after 2002, I was still keeping, so if I explain, so basically I got interested in 94 and had kind of uninterrupted interest in it till about mid 96, mm. mid, maybe even like late 96, and then fell out of interest with it until late 97. And I remember I went around to my mate's house, I was in school at the time, went around to my mate's house, the three of, three of us watched um, Survivor Series 97. And honestly, oh, one to pick, no yeah. idea what went on at the end. <laughs> yeah. like, this was before I understood the insider stuff. I wasn't really, you know, I kind of kind of had, you know, an inkling that I obviously knew it wasn't completely real. But it, I can remember thinking things like, yeah, but if it's not real, how do they do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like things like that. So I didn't have any clue how it worked and saw that. And I said, like, what's going on here? This is crazy. I have no idea. And I actually think I, I like quite. I could I get I got a bit of a beam up on it about this because I feel like every time anyone from inside the wrestling business moans about wrestling fans talking about the inside of the business, I go back and say, Well, you forced it on us. I didn't know anything about this stuff until yeah. you did what you did at Survivor Series 97. Now, granted, it was only a few people within the business at that time, but ultimately that's where the the world was opened up to me. So then I would watch I'd read Power Slam every week, every week, yeah. like religious every month, sorry, religiously. And we didn't get a cable in my parents' house until 99. I think it was just before WrestleMania 15. But then I watched Raw and SmackDown every single week. Um, I remember, like specifically, I can remember every Friday night, 9.30, yeah. going down to the living room. My mum was watching television and I knew on command that she would fall asleep at some point between <laughs> half past nine and 10. The minute she fell asleep, over to Sky Sports 3, to watch Raw's War because it was on a Friday night in the UK. Yeah. And um, and then, yeah, just watched it. And then my mum would wake up at past 10 and she'd go, I was watching that. And I was like, you've been <laughs> asleep for an hour. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, like, my dad would go in from the pub about half 11 and then, you know, he'd come in, look at looking and go, oh, I'm not watching that rubbish, and then walk away. And then I'd just watch it till the end. And um, so I watched it religiously then, like, as soon as I got it. And then it was... I watched it right through to about 2002, but the reason I stopped was I went to university. Yeah, a lot of my friends fell out because I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but a lot of my friends went to uni in 2000 yeah. and it was really big. I had like in our sixth form um, common room, people, especially Channel 4, which that that was, people would bring mm. like the Raw Rumble the next day on, on VHS and everyone was watching it. Like even the, even, I know it sounds, sounds silly to say this, but 
even the girls. I know more more women are involved watching wrestling now, but back then, if you go to a show, there wouldn't be very too many too many ladies in the crowd at all. No. I think it's it's far the demographics far more um leveled out a bit now but yeah even even the girls at our sixth form were watching it um, yeah. and it was a massive massive cultural event in 2000 but then they all fell away and, and not very many of them if any really ever came back and that was their kind of golden era really well the reason i i mean so i went to university but the reason i didn't carry on watching it is we didn't have a tv one that yeah, i didn't yeah. want to carry on watching it we just didn't have a tv so i mean my other great passion that's probably still a passion I shouldn't be uh, admitting to you is that I loved EastEnders as well. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't watch that for a year either because yeah. I went to university, didn't have a TV. Now the second year uni, we did have a TV. So EastEnders was back, but obviously Raw was on Sky Sports, never going to watch it. So I didn't watch it then for two, three years, other than when, you know, maybe I, I probably saw some stuff, like I would have seen WrestleManias of the time and that. And then over 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 the years, I've been in and out, like I went in and out of it. I always, always watched it with a critical eye, always watched it with that kind of, and I always like wrote little bits and pieces now and again. I did some things for a couple of websites and whatnot, but I didn't watch it like weekly. Like I just mm. didn't watch the television shows. So I'd watch the pay-per-views when I could. And we went to a couple of WrestleManias, me and two of the lads that I said I'm doing the podcast with now. But which one did you go to? But I don't. I, sorry if any we're covering any stuff from, from the last one, but I can't. I can't remember. Remember if we talked about this at all. Which WrestleManias did you head out for? So we went for twenty five and twenty six. Ah, I did twenty five, but not twenty six. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, we did twenty five. Then we did, and it was amazing. You know, it was the first time we'd ever been, and it was such an experience. We watched the uh, Ring of Honor show that had taken place the Friday before. We watched the Hall of Fame. Obviously, went there, and we went to Raw. Um, and then the following year, and so, and actually, the, ma- the majority of our holiday was before WrestleMania, so it's kind of mm. like four or five days before WrestleMania, and then we went back on the Tuesday, so the, the day after the Monday Night Raw. The second time we did it the other way around, like the WrestleMania weekend was the first bit of the holiday, and then we had four or five days after WrestleMania, and it wasn't the right way to do it. You need to do it, I think, the other way around, where you kind of have WrestleMania at the end of the holiday, but. Mm. We didn't eat what, and also we didn't go to Raw for uh, the night after WrestleMania 26. Um, we had the we went with the WWE package. Oh, yes, well. yeah, yeah. Um, so we got like all the kind of events building up to it, but we didn't go to Raw, and that was a just that was a, a probably a mistake because it was Shawn Michaels' kind of um retirement speech mm. and all that. Uh, and then funnily enough, me and one of the guys that did go, we're like, should we go to WrestleMania 27? And we were seriously thinking about it right the way through the summer. and for whatever reason it didn't happen and it's funny he only reminded me of the other day and i thought god we really missed we really dodged a bullet going going in the miz isn't it yeah Yeah, flipping out like it would have been nice probably to see the rock i mean at that time we would have been absolutely delighted with that but at the same time show itself was just terrible the, the year after was the year i think wasn't it because because i think if, if if you again in hindsight i went to 23 but wish i'd gone to 24 24 was the first one i'd missed 24 was the first year i missed after seven years of going wow. so i was really gutted about that missing rick flair etc but i think if you'd gone to if you had to pick one like this is kind of i want to do this once in a lifetime you end up going to 27 but not 28 yeah. with, and i know rock and scene is not like a you know, not a mat, you know, all time classic match of the ages, but it was a really big deal that first rock and scene. Like, hey. I remember, I remember being like really into that. Hey, that that match is the biggest match in wrestling history. Absolutely, yeah, hundred like, percent is. Yep, like, most brought wrestling the, paper you ever, and exactly. it will never be beaten. 
No, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. you can't, if you were there, you you should be happy you were there because it is yes. the biggest match in the history of the business, quite frankly. I mean, you, there's probably arguments you can make for one or two others, but honestly, like, in terms of money made on a given night, that was it. So, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, was, it was great. I, I enjoyed both of them a lot. Um, it did help that we had the two Michaels Undertaker matches because they were, they were phenomenal. Yes. Um, but we just dodged a bullet, not going for 27. <laughs> so I was really happy with that. And then, as I said, did wrestle talk in sort of 2013, 14, and 15. Um, so I was like heavily into it then. But yeah, from 2002 to that point, I never watched anything weekly. And it was, mm. and it's literally just this year. I've made an appointment to watch a wrestling show for the first time weekly since the height of pro wrestling. So I think in a way that kind of does tell you how I consider AEW at the moment to be in a place that I ne- that to be doing something I never expected to be seeing a major a mainstream American pro wrestling company to be doing again, which is provide um, a television show that's actually I'm capable of holding my attention each week for a couple of hours. That's not to say I think it's perfect. There are flaws I still think with it, but I am on board. I am fully on board watching AEW and um, I just never expected to be there. Yeah, I, I agree actually, because I, I, I've fallen, the, the, the night that kind of killed it for me with WWE was the night after WrestleMania, the New York one. So what would that have been? 30, uh, what was the, Behind closed doors. I mean, they don't use the, new, the numbers now because they don't want WrestleMania to feel old. But that makes <laughs> yeah. yeah, because of my my aging brain approaching forty. I can't remember the numbers. What was it? Twenty nineteen. The, the night after WrestleMania um, at the Barclays Center, when they did Rollins versus Kofi Kingston, title for title, and then did like a big schmoz. That's probably I don't. You probably won't remember that because for most people, that's like an insignificant thing. But for me, mm-hmm. that was my breaking point. Sat in Barclays Center that night. I was like. What is going on here? They they promote, you know, you never know with Vince. You're like, I, I know you might go to a show and you think, oh, they're not really going to unify the titles on the Raw after WrestleMania. But you know, Vince McMahon's like, he might have woke. I, I was thinking, I was trying to rationalize it in my head. He might have woken up today and said, I've had enough of these two titles. We're getting rid of the brand split. And all these things are going through my mind. And then they do a five minute match. And I think Sheamus and Cesaro interfered. And the crowd turned on it. And they were chanting AEW and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, I'm done. I'm just done with this. This is this is my. Why would you put that on in front of like fifteen thousand of your most loyal fans worldwide? I just don't understand it. Like you could, could do whatever you want. But since then, when AEW started, and I, I was big into New Japan around that time, so followed that. That's kind of full. I did a trip to Tokyo a couple of times as well. But I'm the same with AEW. I thought, is this is this really going to capture me? And I thought up until the pandemic, the show was solid. So like. I don't know, a B, B minus maybe. It was it was more often than not watchable, but I agree that had some stuff that annoyed me. They never quite clicked on pay-per-view for me, even though like Dave Meltzer would throw all the stars in the world at various <laughs> things and the such like, but it just didn't click at all um, apart from the odd kind of good moment. Then the pandemic hit, and I thought they did a pretty good job of that um, with the wrestlers in the crowd, and, and it was about as good as it could be. And then since then... I'm like, crikey, this is, and, and, and sometimes I've, I've talked talk with other other guests on the show about this, about if you picked a random, and I did go back and do this, actually, I went back and watched all of the, specifically the Bret Hart and Steve Austin segments from Raw in 97 and carried on into 98. Right. If you pick a random Raw from 98, you could get a bad week. And like that's supposedly like, 
or even 2000 when you know some people say 2000 thinks it's sort of WWE creative high <laughs> but AEW more often than not I'm like got a little whatsapp group about AEW what did you think of the show yeah I, I liked it and I, I, and I very rarely say I really dislike that and it's like week after week after week after week I'm like yeah that was pretty good yeah I, I quite liked it I mean and, and I think that's pretty uh, pretty unbelievable, given what we've all suffered through with mainstream wrestling over the last 20, 20 years, I suppose, really. I think it's really impressive, first of all, let me say, mm. that you managed to get all the way to 2019. Because um, <laughs> because so that would have been, the I assume, that's the end after the night after WrestleMania 35. Where Kate that's it, yes. Won the title. Yeah. Um, so I watched that WrestleMania. I actually wrote a review for that WrestleMania. It was like, I think it might have been seven or eight thousand words. Like I literally, if I do a review, I go all in, mate. There's kind of... about seven or eight thousand lifetimes sitting well, there true. in MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that's true. But I, I write that many words anyway, even for a really good show. Like I just write a lot um, if I do a review. But I actually really quite like that show, if I'm honest. Um, but I fell out of it 2016, and it was that was WrestleMania 32. And the reason it was, I was Dallas, on Dallas, wasn't it? Yeah, Dallas, yeah. Yeah, and it was in the build-up to Undertaker Shane McMahon, basically. Mm. And the whole essence of that match and the way that and the the way in which they effectively were using the prospect of Shane McMahon potentially trying to kill himself. Yeah. As effectively the only selling point of that WrestleMania. Was my point to go? You know what? This isn't for me anymore. I'm not. Yeah. There's nothing here for me anymore. It's it's just a wasteland. And so, and that, that had followed. I mean, admittedly, that had followed probably my most intense period of watching and thinking about wrestling. So I'd had a full time job about wrestling, but um, I I think for me, like, and also it followed all that awfulness with the authority, which had just been interminable. But um, for me, that was the point where I kind of really walked away and that's when i started i watched some, some a lot of chikara for a few for a few oh yeah years. okay yeah um really really got into it because i just because for me actually it's you know, i see a lot of chikara in AEW, not just in terms of the personnel because obviously there are a lot of personnel there but also just just the, some of the things they do some of the kind of um not obviously not the storylines in terms of the detail because the storylines in chikara are a bit mad but more the way the storylines are paced sometimes um, mm. and the way that they book matches around stories so that it's not like WWE, for example, they have this really uninteresting and uninspiring way of going, right, here's a match. They have an inconclusive finish and then you get another match and then you get another match between the same two people. And now they've gone into supersonic with that because you get the same match seven or eight weeks in a row or more yeah. these days. But the way AEW do it, and I said the way Chikara kind of did it, was like you'd have maybe a six-man tag match and something would happen between two of the people in that. But because maybe the first guy was defending the title against someone else, they'd have that match with that person and the person they'd kind of got into a few with in the six-man tag match would turn up or you know, get involved in some in that somehow. Then there would be a sort of chase between the two. There'd be some tag team matches. There'd be maybe they'd fight face off in a battle royal somewhere where they face off with an associate of that person. And it would be a long time before the, the sort of rematch, if you like, and they'd go through multiple chapters of a storyline and they'd even weave in and out of other storylines before they got there. Um, and I've seen touches of that in AEW that, I've, that is exactly what I've been looking for, really. So I watched a bit of Chikara and then I started doing the network thing. Um, so and that was what I was doing until we last spoke. And then between then and now for the rest of 2020, didn't watch wrestling. And then 
yeah, really back into it. And then I got into it before Punk and Brian, the rumours about them started coming around. But then, of course, when those rumours kind of came along, I was just like, well, this is this is a bit special, a bit more exciting. But I think the other thing, and I correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but I actually think wrestling in general, I mean, we've seen WWE have actually had a bit of a spike in their own ratings in the last couple of months. I think it's because the crowds are back and people are enthusiastic again for it. I think without crowds, wrestling, much like football, is just not good. <laughs> football I, really I barely watch any football. I, I've got, I've got, I've, well, I, yeah, I've got a thing to get a Fulham again now. I didn't obviously have it during the pandemic, but yeah. I watch Fulham's matches uh, begrudgingly. I watch almost none. I mean, some of my mates who don't go at all, and I don't think this is, is necessarily a distinction between going and not going, but some of them actually really liked it because they could watch all the matches. And I, oh. it was just beyond, it was beyond, I'm like, this is, I remember England, and I said this all, I said this at the start of the pandemic, I remember England had to play a qualifier against somebody, maybe Croatia, maybe Czech Republic, um, behind closed doors. And I watched, was watching it at home, and I bet I think I got through the first half and turned it off because it's like this is rubbish. Even if it's like a you know, relatively significant match, I just thought behind closed doors football is just not going to. And even the fake crown or stuff. But I agree, and I think um, AEW did a better job of that. But I, I, I completely agree. Like if you've got some of the crowd reactions that we've seen, um, even the stuff you know the stuff at SummerSlam, the John Cena return. I mean that was stuff that was worth worth watching, even on the WWE side. Even if even if you don't watch the other, you know, seventy five percent of the show, yeah. you might dip in for that definitely and i think that has happened i think since they've come back as the wwe seen a bit of a spike in their ratings and understandably because it's far just far better football by the way completely unwatchable without without a yeah. crowd if they ever go through a point period or if they ever get to a point where they can never have crowds again they just stop football it is yeah i agree at just all stop interesting. it there's no point in it yeah um but and so wrestling wasn't quite as bad but it was still it still wasn't great and I just think there's been that enthusiasm. People have sort of kind of fallen in love with it again because, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is what it was about. This is why it was good because, you know, crowds, you know, and the the starkest, I think, and most ex- explicit um, manifestation of this has been for me. So I watched, as I said, I started at the beginning of the year, started to watch AEW Dynamite a bit, and there, Chris Jericho would come out and he'd have his Judas song. And you'd have like the other talent, the young talent, the, the not so well-known talent around the ring, kind of singing along with his theme song. Mm. Theme song. I was like, "This is bloody lame. This is this is really <laughs> lame. This is really pants." Like it, it, it's basically a load of people who are being paid by this company, and they are standing around the thing pretending they love Chris Jericho's song. Like I just thought it was terrible. And then you get them in front of the crowd. And it's a moment every time. It's a yeah. moment when he comes out. And the, specifically two days before Punk debuted on Rampage, they had the match where Jericho did his fifth labor with MJF and he couldn't have the music on. And so the fans sang him to the ring. And I was like, this is this is what great wrestling promotions are built on, is the yeah. sense that you want to be in that crowd. That's oh, what, that's such a yeah, 100%. That's I what can't ECW yeah. was built on. was. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, that's why every single week they would show, you know, the Cactus Jank and Terry Funk being buried under all the chairs because you were like, I want to be in that crowd. You want to be in the crowd when the ring collapsed because all the fans were in there. Like those moments were shown every single week because Haber knew that his only real income at the time anyway was attendance figures and he needed to get people. He needed to get people in the building. So you just wanted to be in that crowd. And that was the same feeling during the Attitude Era, like go back and watch 
you know, the classic Mankind winning the world title and the Austin pop when he comes down to the ring. Dare you to watch that and be like, I don't really care what's going on in the ring. I just want to be in the crowd. It looks so much fun. Yes. And that's what AEW has started to do quite regularly, as I said, with the in the space of two days, they had that Jericho entrance, then the Punk debut. And I was like, both of those things are prime. I want to be in that crowd moment. And that's when you know a, a promotion is really hitting the high points because th that's the game. Once you get people thinking, oh, I've got to be there, they make money off you. <laughs> they're, they're selling more tickets in certain markets in WWE at the moment, aren't they? So, uh, as an aside, well, not on a side actually, but what do you think if they do a, and I don't know what they'll do in the UK, I hope they do a pay per view rather than a dynamite and rampage. I suspect it'll be a dynamite and rampage taping in one. Um, what do you think they can do at Craven Cottage if they? book a, a reasonably <laughs> strong main event and let's say in terms of crap like capacity you're probably talk with with production you're probably talking about 27 28 000 in there i would have thought mm -hmm. and what, what do you think they can sell do they can sell it out i think they could sell it out uh, i think I, yeah that'd be I, incredible. I, as an aside Stephen, i i was just like well, what's he talking about i know he loves fulham and i was like oh yeah of course they're in the yeah fulham. yeah <laughs> the bizarrest clashing of worlds yeah. all the time as well yeah, sorry yeah. i will swear occasionally i apologize for no that. It's, it's all good yeah it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um no i was like wait why is he making that connection oh yeah of course they, it's his dad or is it yeah he's dad or is it yeah uh well um I think the dad owns everything actually, but yeah, Tony okay. Khan, yeah. So Tony Khan said on Meltzer's show before the last pay per view that he wants to run a show there, basically, which is the first time he's that makes outright sense. said it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, they probably, I'm certain they could. And to be honest, I think, of course, we'd hope that they would do a pay per view here, but I actually think that they'd be missing the trick if they did the first time at least. Like when you come over the first time, you're going to sell tickets no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So you've got to be a bit sneaky and go, right, well, just give them a rampage and a dynamite, no problem. And then the next time, maybe do it because you just want to, you know, I, I'm no, I'm, I'm talking myself out of the fun times, but you do want to extract the maximum value out of those opportunities as you can. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think I think they probably would probably just do Dynamite and Rampage. Incidentally, um, Craven Cottage is the site of one of my favourite football matches of all time um, because I'm a Bristol Rovers fan. Oh, you know, you, okay, go on, go on, go on. And so, yeah, 2000 and I'm going to say 2008 FA Cup third round. Okay, yeah. I think I, it is. Yes. Or fourth round, fourth round maybe. I'm not sure, one of the two. And uh, we drew two all with, with you lot um, over at Craven Cottage and then took then the replay. We won on penalties. Um, but the match at Craven Cottage, 7,000 Rovers fans, which was more, as I understand, the first time in FA Cup history that more away fans had gone to the match than the home fans because um, it was such a big game for us. It wasn't a big game for you guys. You were in the Premier League, so it wasn't really that important. So was that, that was January 2008, was it? I think so, yeah. So it was the year after we got promoted back to League One and um, we had Ricky Lambert at the time as well. And um, yeah, you had you had the first game, Danny Murphy was the only player that looked any good at all for you. And the second I've game... I've just remembered it. Do you and know what? Second... I, I, yeah, sorry, carry on, but I've literally, going through my father facts <laughs> in my mind, I've literally just, rem just remembered it. Yeah, sorry, carry on. The second game, I don't think Murphy played, but Jimmy Bullard was back from injury. And yeah. um, he played the replay, but he was still the only player in the, in your team that was any... I mean, you had a, a piss-poor team that year. And... Um, <laughs> And yeah, we had the, the first game, we had a guy called Chris Lyons, who's actually had a very good career 
um, for himself, like lower leagues, but really quite good career. But he came through our youth academy. He was probably the first person to do it for ages. Like we just weren't, we, we didn't really produce players. And he made one of his first, like his one of his first big games was that game. Like our captain at the time got injured and he played like maybe his fourth or fifth game in central midfield, midfield alongside Danny Coles, who was a centre-back most of this most of his entire career so wasn't a center midfielder because our other midfielder had also got injured and we still managed to draw two all of you that's how bad your team was, it was i'm just, just looking at the report atrocious. now it's funny you say that because i thought you were going to say but then i i kind of did the maths in my mind i think because i was very young for this but in 1989 bristol rovers smash fulham in the what would be now the league one playoff semi-final right i think it was nil nil or one all at Quirky, what was Bristol Rovers' old ground called? Well, we were playing at Twerton then, Twerton Park. Twerton Park, yeah. So uh, I think it was one all there. And then you had Nigel Martin in goal. Yeah. And he had an absolute blinder. And I think I think Bristol Rovers won 4-0. And I, I as a seven-year-old uh, or eight-year-old at the time, maybe seven-year-old, trudged out of my dad with about 15 minutes to go because I was so upset uh, with <laughs> what had happened, basically. I, th- I thought we were on our way to Wembley, but that was not was not to be. Um, did you watch, Have you? are you caught up on AEW's uh, Grand Slam um, for last night? Are you, are you waiting for the Friday, for the ITV4 showing? So I don't want to give any spoilers away or anything if you're well, not. Well, it's really funny, right? So I, I, I had intended to watch it for this um, recording anyway, but then the co- convergence of things happened. So first of all, today, as we're recording this, is actually my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much for <laughs> taking time out. Yeah, fine, thank mate. You. It's fine. I don't make a big deal on my birthday ever, quite frankly. My, my wife was kind of like, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, well, first of all, for the first time in 18 months, I'm going to go to the <laughs> office and literally go to the office for the first time in 18 months. So oh, really? Happened. We've just we've just gone back for as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. not not everyone's going back. In fact, we've been some of our people have been going back before and you can choose when and when and when you how, when you want to go in. But mm. I just chose today for the first time to go back into the office really bizarrely. So that so it's my birthday and it was the first day back in the office for me anyway today. But also I woke up at four o'clock this morning, <laughs> couldn't get back to sleep. So I'm pretty exhausted, but also it allowed me to watch Dynamite before I went to work. Oh, <laughs> so I stuff. have watched all of it um, from start to finish. And I and then I was like, because I only just recently subscribed to Fight TV because I had been watching it on the Saturday morning, as I said before. Um, but now it's see, but this is the problem. Now it's got kind of import interesting to me. I don't want to see the spoilers as before. I was quite happy to see the spoilers and then just yeah. tune in and see what happened. But now I'm kind of like, I don't want to do it. Um, and uh, and because because so, I'm new to it, it's also got like a little thing for when Rampage is on. But I thought they because I know I'm assuming they recorded it after Dynamite, right? Yes, yeah. So I was like, have they put it up early on the foot? But they haven't. But no, I thought, I thought they, that this morning as well. Yeah, when yeah. They, when they did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so so yeah, I've seen I've seen Dynamite, yeah. Absolutely. What did you think of um Omega and Danielson? I mean, it was very good. I think I I saw your tweet this morning where you said about uh how it was it kind of gave away the ending. Um I thought that it was pretty obvious that was the ending anyway. Yeah, like I didn't uh, yeah. feel like yeah. it needed them to put it on first to make it clear that that was the case. And I think there's a number of things here. First of all, I think that they I didn't like the build for it at all. I know they only had two weeks, right? So I get it. It's hard. But I just felt like they've got a template, which usually works really well, which is we don't use any wrestler more than once on any given show unless they maybe do a small promo later on after the match or whatever. We don't tend to use people more than once. 
And I think they should have broken that rule for this. And on the last, on the go home, if you like, last week's Dynamite, they should have had them both do the, they should have had them both do a sit down of some kind, separate and a longer form sit down interview to really big up the importance of the match. Because this is one of the two biggest matches in the company they've got, right? (laughs) Omega against Brian. Punk is, I suppose, isn't it? And the other one's Omega Punk. And you're like, these are the two biggest matches they've got. And they're going to give it, they're going to give one of them away for free two weeks after one of them's debuted they just need to make it bigger they need to make it feel bigger so they need to do something different on dynamite i felt the week before um but going into it someone suggests no surely they're just going to do a double dq or double countdown i was like they're not going to do that because but like that does he no no and, and not only that it's like it's a bit it's a bit snooty but it's the classy way to do the inconclusive finishes yeah the, 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 the time limit so i was like they're going to do a time limit but that was also clear because it wasn't for the title. And and I think had it been for the title, you might have had one of them win one way or the other. It wouldn't have made a difference. But they also shouldn't have made it for the title because Brian's only just come in. And yeah, it's they, logic, they, isn't it? Yeah. They've got a good, I think they've got a good thing with their rankings. And so it's the right thing not to do that as well. So they kind of, I think ultimately, it's hard to argue with their decision to go with the match because it sold over 20,000 tickets at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. And what, uh, by the way, a tennis tennis stadium no one i've never thought of it before but it makes perfect sense it's the right size and everything for it yeah absolutely it was i thought it was i mean i was, i don't know you watched the us open final a few weeks ago but i was and i wish they'd lit the only thing is and i said this earlier on as well i wish they'd lit it better because mm. i just don't think it came off that you know that should have, yeah it should have been that that first big shot even with it, it's all lit up and they maybe they, they put the lights down and i don't know i don't know really know what that was maybe it was yeah, who knows? But um, it, it wasn't as impressive on television as I thought it should be. Uh, yeah. But um, I lost my train of thought. There. Yeah, but ten- tennis, absolutely. Imagine You can imagine like Centre Court, perhaps that's where Tony, Tony Khan will run Dynamite and Rampage at Centre Court Wimbledon and then he'll run the pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, that's what I was going to say. I, don't know. I, I wonder if there's enough... The problem we've got here, and I think that um, there's, not a, there's not a kind of middling arena here that's like that i can think of that's sort of three or four thousand that's good for wrestling mm. pat, pat, correct me correct me from what you've got you've got york hall it's like 1800 which obviously wouldn't be big enough then you've got wembley arena that's 10,000. O2 that's what 15 16 um i wondered if you could get if you had a five that a four or five thousand seater you could do dynamite rampage and a pay-per-view and maybe sell the whole thing out perhaps i, I don't know whether that and, and have the whole crew here for a week perhaps I, I don't know if that's maybe over egging it but then I, you could do a bit of a tour of the country maybe do manchester for one of them you know i don't know another you know perhaps even go up into scotland for one one show and then back down to london for the pay-per-view perhaps i don't know if that if that would be too much there, there will be an arena somewhere in the uk that's that kind of size yeah um the thing is is that it's not just about there's not been an arena, I would say, that's proven used that's at that size, but there will be one. Yeah, it's just, be, yeah. it's just, you know, whatever for whatever reason, a wrestling company hasn't unearthed it at this point. But mm. you might be right; they could, they could do a series of shows, um, and that that wouldn't be surprising. I think they're more likely just because, and I, I imagine this is—I don't know what WWE did the first time they went to the UK, but I imagine this is what they did, and certainly what TNA did is they kind of just had a little tester, didn't they? They kind of went over first time and just dip their toes to see what they would get from it and i think they probably would still do the same AEW would do the same because you never know do you if you could you could book like 10 shows and then realize no one's coming <laughs> yeah. so you want to kind of just test the water and find out exactly what you're going to get and i guess the easiest way to do that is go straight to london 
you know, the centre of pretty much the world when it comes to this country most of the time, um, much as it pains me to say. And um, and just kind of like, just like, I guess, similarly, like NFL did the same thing. They had a match at Wembley. Everybody went to it. Um, and then everyone who liked American football anyway. Um, and then... Um, and then they came back and they now do like a couple of games, I think, a season or something like that. But um, And Major League Baseball have done it as well, not too long ago. Um, but they kind of dip in their toes in the waters to see, well, can, can we do this? And then, so I, I would still imagine they'll only do a couple of shows, first of all. But who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll have the numbers, the figures to say, well, we could probably do better than that. Um, and I think, you know, look, we've just spoken, both of us have been to WrestleMania, which means we've gone across to a different country that's seven hours at least away and watched a wrestling show. So you can be pretty much guaranteed if you bring the show to us, we'll be there. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 if, if, the, if the travel ban hadn't, hadn't if the travel ban hadn't been there for maybe three or four months, I would have made a, a significant um, uh, kind of sales pitch, try and go to the pay-per-view in November for my 40th. But I think it's unfortunately, <laughs> that's a bridge too far. One final point on AEW just before we move on to Mid-South. The only thing I would have changed about the show, and it is really difficult the way they do their main events with television time remaining is, I think that... Um, I just think it should have been on last. And I think the, the, they must or start it at, you know, 20 past 20 past 10 their time, do a half an hour time limit. So, you know, you've got, you know, you've got 10 minutes at the end for the shenanigans afterwards. But that it is really difficult when the most, I mean, I, the rest of the show is fine, but it's really difficult for me. And they did, they've done this on pay-per-view quite a lot. When the thing that you're looking forward to the most, I mean, that crowd, I mean, I almost said, it sounds sounds a bit silly, really, but when that crowd was erupting for them at the start, I was like, I got I got chills up my spine. I was like, this is this is a this is a non WWE moment. This is twenty thousand plus people in New York, uh, you know, a titan stronghold, going absolutely crazy. If this guy, Dan, uh, Brian Daniel, I keep you know, I keep calling him Daniel. Brian, <laughs> Don't worry, out. everyone's yeah. doing it. Yeah, I got to get that out. And um, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, like two root like Brian lights him for so long omega in the last sort of five ten years amazing and it's like what a moment but why wasn't it i just wish it had been last but i know it's tv i know it's a different kettle of fish than it would be on a pay-per-view well it's it's just two things there first of all there is the tv thing so i think they were like if you're if you are mildly curious about AEW and you switch on because you know the show's starting at whatever time it starts i don't know what time dynamite stacks actually 8 p.m in the states right you, you tune in at 8 p.m just to see because you're a bit curious and then it starts with that you might stick around a bit longer you might pop a bit of a rating which is definitely on their agenda they have it has to be on their agenda because they know look at the model for wrestling now ww set the model regardless of what you think of that ww they have a guaranteed income from peacock because of the content they provide yes. and because of the constant ratings that they still get, even now, even though the television is rubbish, they still get a huge rating. So they know that that isn't just a number like it was perhaps in the 90s, where actually all the money came from pay-per-view. Now, television ratings, television um, fees, rights fees, really, really matter. So that's the first reason. The second reason I was thinking is it's not just a two-hour show, though. It's a four-hour show for those people in the in the crowd. Yes. So you're going to put on this big match in the middle of the show because that's where it would have been if you'd have put it on when you where you said it was yep. going to be. So I think they were in a difficult position to be honest. And I thought and I'm thinking it makes some sense to me. And as I said to you, I didn't think because I think one of the other reasons you gave why you felt it should have been later because you, you felt it gave away the ending a bit. And I just thought I think that was an obvious ending anyway. Yeah, so. I thought I thought that with the ending that. It was, I, I was, I was like, it's 90, 90 to 95% going to happen. 
And then as soon as it was on first, I was like, it's definitely going to happen because that's the reason. Because he's a logical book and I, I, I like that. He's like, well, I can't do, if I'm going to do the running stuff at the end, I can't do the TV time remaining and just and go to dead air because that doesn't really, I don't I don't think they've ever done a time limit draw that's gone to the top of the hour of that, I don't believe. Mm. Um, so I, I I do get it, but it's just, yeah, I just wish it, I just wish that moment had been, because I'm almost, it's almost like, go to see a band or something and you see the band that you want to see and there's a couple of support actually don't mind seeing it's like i've kind of i've i've seen the bit i really want to say i'm really interested in the other stuff but um, it'd be interesting to see how um how rampage comes off on uh, on friday as well so yeah um, well, like, I, I guess i guess in their in their case they were thinking yes it is a bit like the band that you want to see and then them doing the best their bit the song you like best first the difference is is that this time you're going to see more than just one band and one of those bands happens to be cm punk and you're going to get him yeah. in the second half of the show and they're probably just relying on that one one last thing i'll say about AEW, and it, it's to end on a little bit of a negative just because i think we're really we've been massively positive about it but the, since all out I have not particularly been impressed with the last few weeks of television. Now, I think partially that's because they've been rushing to get to this, this, this Grand Slam. It's only two weeks, right? So they've had to build a whole set of new matches for that. But the, the, the narrative, the story reasons for getting to those matches have been really lame, in my opinion, and have been really manufactured. They have not been organic at all. I'll give you an example. The CM Punk match. Um that, that happened because when CM Punk came out for just a regulation promo, Taz just interrupted him and said, stop t- talking about my guys. And Punk was like, I haven't been talking about your guys. And then Taz came up with something as if he'd been talking about them on social media, which yeah. even if he has, no one's, no one's seen, no one's, nobody's watching the show has been keeping their eye also on Twitter to get storyline parts of the show. And I just thought not only was that really manufactured and inorganic but also there's a really simple much simpler way of doing it which would have been just to have punk come out through the promo taz talk some rubbish about him on commentary then on rampage pm punk saying come out coming out to confront him about saying like i heard what you were saying about me what's your problem and then going from there like it's it's so much it's just as easy and yet is much more organic than the way they did it it just felt really and there was a couple of them i think the same thing about the sting uh, thing with Tully Blanchard just came out of nowhere didn't wasn't organic at all the same about the Jack Swagger and Chris Jericho thing again it was just like why are these guys coming out to confront America top team just doesn't really track for me and and not only that I've been saying it for weeks I just I just I felt like they've been a little bit rushy rushy um the yeah, last couple I, of weeks I don't disagree I think it's it's difficult because all out was like um such an such a moment wasn't it i mean it was like yeah. wh- where would you where would you put that in um kind of all time north american pay-per-views for you well you know what we we actually reviewed it on my podcast um a couple of weeks ago and it isn't so we've only done we we basically review a pod, a, a show every single week from the, the history so we've done stuff from 1985 right through to this year and um it's not even in the top five of the shows we've covered in the 35 or so. That oh, we've how interesting. Okay. Um, so, um, but in fairness, my two co-hosts are not as serious analysts as I am, and they do like to muck about. And we do get distracted quite a lot by hair, by wrestlers' <laughs> hair, by the lack or too much 
armbands or knee pads so for example have you ever 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 thought why why does biggie not wear knee pads because he really needs them he's, he's showing far too much leg that wrestler should not be showing that much leg it's not natural <laughs> same thing with earthquake used to do the same and titus o'neill why is he not wearing arm pads it's far too much skin on show in the top of his body <laughs> right so there are things like that that we do but um so for example i'll give you some of the five that were above that WrestleMania 30 is above it in, in, in our ratings anyway. Hmm. WrestleMania 19. Um, Love WrestleMania 19. Yeah. Uh, what else we've got ECW one night stand we've done. And that was higher than that. Um, the first one, obviously. Um, and I'm trying to think what else now I think possibly, I don't think it is above it, but WCW spring stampede also got a uh, 94 got a massive, got a really good. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. excellent. But what I'm saying is, so we thought it was really good. We, we, we went mad for the tag team match, right? We, I, in fact, I even said that possibly in the running for one of my favorite matches of all time, because of the emotion that I got from it. Like it was just, it was one of those moments where it was a perfect confluence of this crazy, mad, slightly over, um, kind of uh choreographed match but then with this superb like emotion running through it that just made me forget about all the choreography so it's just perfect but the rest of the show we thought was middling because first of all there there was no surprises in terms of obviously Kenny Omega was going to beat Christian so and I'm a big I'm a big believer and it doesn't matter how good technically a match is if there's no emotion in it then it doesn't matter. And there was yeah, no emotion in it to me because you knew Christian wasn't going to win. Now, I don't necessarily need it to always be surprises, but I just needed the doubt, the tiniest doubt that Kenny Omega was going to win. And I didn't even have the tiniest doubt. It's like the hope spot that the Undertaker's opponent during his streak was going to win. Exactly. That is. exactly. You, you didn't get that. That story peaked when Christian beat him for the Impact yeah. title, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I really liked the story. As I said, because I, I started watching it at the beginning of the year, in fact, it might even have been the episode Christian debuted on. Mm. Um, and I'd obviously seen him come in and he, he straight away targeted the world title and they had a few little confrontations with Kenny Omega, but then split off into different things and Christian built his way up the ranks. And I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. They've, they've dropped a few breadcrumbs in there, but they haven't gone straight to it. They've just sort of put it out there that this might happen in the future. Then they've taken them on the journey and got them to this, this match. But you're absolutely right. It, it peaked at the rampage. And once Christian won that, there was absolutely no doubt whatsoever <laughs> yeah, Kenny Omega was yeah. going to win. So there was that. The Punk match I thought was very good. It was much better than I thought Punk would do. Actually, I didn't because uh, I'm. I know you're a huge fan of Punk, right? But I'm, and I don't. I I am a big fan of Punk, but I'm not quite as big a fan. I'm, I've always been. Pr- I've always preferred uh, Dan, Dan. I was going to ask you that actually, but yeah, been, you answered it. Yeah, yeah. Always been a big, especially you know when because uh, I, as much as I've watched a lot of wrestling primarily my if i if i go through the history wwe's where i've watched nearly everything yeah and his run there was just phenomenal but um but so i was like going into the cm punk match going i didn't like the bill for that either by the way because i didn't like the fact they didn't dwell on punk worrying about winning or losing it was all about whether he could perform or not and i think that's not that's not that's what too it should close be about. to the line isn't it yeah it's not what it should be yeah. about it should be about can if we're talking about performance it should be can i win the match have I still got it? And it should have all been about Darby Allen being one of the best young wrestlers in the world. Can I beat him? Because if I can't even beat him, 
I'm not going to get to the top, which is why I'm here. But it's all about performance. And I was like, Punk's not wrestled for seven years. He's never been a high flyer. He's never been really a striker. He's really a storyteller. And I don't think they've got anything that they've gone in with this story, uh, this match that will allow him to tell a story. So I, I was still really impressed with the match, but I wasn't like blown away by it. I thought it was a good match, as I thought the Kenny Omega Christian match was, as I thought the um, Chris Jericho MJF match was, actually. I thought that was perfectly serviceable. A lot of the again, finish there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but again, another feud that peaked a couple of weeks before. I don't know why sudden. I felt like they changed tact at some point because it felt like that five labors of Jericho was leading to him. The fifth match I thought was going to be against someone else so that he could get the match. Against That's what MJF. I thought as well. And yeah, then I wonder if something like, didn't come off there, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, the, yeah, maybe they were trying to sign someone else to do something and it didn't work. But so, so then they put them in the match together against one another. And I was kind of like, well, you've blown that one too ahead a couple of weeks ahead of the pay-per-view. And, um, and then, and so I thought, I got, I got to be honest. I thought those three matches were on a par with even the opener, for example, with Miro and Eddie King. Yeah, I thought that was strong until until the end. There some, I can't remember what it was. There's something towards the end of that, that I didn't right. like. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I just, uh, for me, there was just all, all very good matches, but nothing at that. Not even I'm not talking five star level, but I just didn't think there was anything else at that four star level. And I think if they'd have hit, because I rate my all the pay per views on the main event first and say, right, that's the bulk of the ratings coming from that main event. If you can't hit them, you could have an amazing show, but if the main event was terrible, that's the main reason people are tuned in. That's, for me, that is an instant kind of drain on the rating overall of the show. Um, and the um, and for me, the main event was not bad at all, but it just wasn't like a four-star match. And, had, and it could have been, given who was involved. And had it done that, I would have rated it in the top 10 probably shows I've, all, I've seen all time but because it wasn't it didn't it didn't get there yeah it's an interesting one because it was almost like a it was kind of like a surprise lots of surprises angles the punk return but I, i'm the same i didn't fight i funnily enough i gave Britt baker and chris statlander four stars i gave nothing else for apart from the young bucks and lucha bros which i gave five and i gave the main event 3.25 so i must have been but then i put Post-match debuts are incredibly well done. Top to bottom, the best pay-per-view the company's ever done. Eight and a half out of 10. But when you actually put this, it's like the sum of the parts, isn't it? I yeah, suppose. Of course. Yeah, rather than rather than the but but um I I did they were in an interesting spot with Christian because I guess it, the original plan was hangman page, and who knows what they'd have done because the he it wasn't the right time for him to have the title now because of the guys coming out. I think you've got to do the Omega match, haven't you? And I, I wonder whether Page is gonna be perhaps not until the Double or nothing, maybe even next year they can hold off that long. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it was interesting with Christian. I didn't really think he was the man for the for the job, and I think they, as as we said, I think they had that story peaked in that rampage match really, and it was it was kind of downhill from there. Yeah, I I, I think that I think it was a really good show, um, and I it made the other thing I should say I've never I had never watched a pay per view before for AEW, so I was mm. like this is the first one. In fact. Funnily enough, and this is a bit weird since I've been watching wrestling now for 26 years, right? 27 years, in fact. That was the first pay-per-view I ever bought. Oh, was it really? Okay, I've never yeah. purchased the pay-per-view before. All the other, because obviously back in the day, all of them were on Sky Sports. Yep. So we, you paid the subscription, but you you had the pay-per-views. There was those couple that were on Channel 4 as well. Um, we, if in truth, a couple of like four or five of our mates all clubbed together to buy WrestleManias in the past. 
But in terms of a show that I bought just for me to watch on pay-per-view, first time ever was that that one, that show. Um, well, again, which shows, I guess, how where we are with this. It might also show that I'm a bit older, you know, a little bit more money than I used to have when I was 25 or whatever. But um, yeah, I just think, um, so that, that was kind of, it certainly did, the build did do it for me, but yeah. mainly because I was kind of excited by seeing CM Punk. And obviously we knew that someone was going to turn up and didn't expect four you know, Suzuki, Ruby Riot, Daniel oh, Bryan, Suzuki, and yeah, Cole to, to, to turn up. But, but, you know, like given, but even if it had just been Brian Danielson, that would have been, um, that would have been enough, quite frankly. So like, yeah, I don't want to do it down. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I, I didn't rate it. I just think that the the main matches for me just didn't hit their peak because no, the, it was it was solid to good matches with yeah. incredible surprises and moments versus that's right. incredible matches with incredible moments wasn't it and that's and, that's the that's the difference and that's it and I think for me like you know you I think you raised an eyebrow maybe when we I said WrestleMania thirty it was like one of our top rated shows but for me that show was about Daniel Bryan the story of WrestleMania thirty is is a, is it's probably one of the um, if you really think about it, yes. it's probably one exactly of the best babyface stories ever in the history of that company. It yeah. really is when, in, in terms of what happened there. Um, I think WrestleMania 30 was a very, very good show. Um, I just, it just was, I guess my eye, my um, uh, ver- uh, verbal eye raising was probably just, I hadn't really thought about it in that way. But mm. I think if you went to that show, that's probably like an unbelievable show to have, have attended live in terms of that. It's, it's really the last uh, though I really enjoyed WrestleMania 31, um, it's the last great babyface story at WrestleMania, um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't see. Um, I know Roman Reigns is getting a big push at the moment, and we could spend quite a lot of time talking about that. But I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day about Reigns. So I would, uh, for me, the idea of a, of a top heel has to be at some point you're setting him up for a babyface to beat him, but there's no babyfaces to beat him. So where, I don't know where you go with the story. <laughs> Does he turn? I don't know. I don't know where the, where the, I mean, as I say, I'm watching almost no WWE, so I'm not really qualified to, to talk on this too far, but unless you're setting up a baby face, I know they want to do the rock match, but the rock won't beat him. So where'd you go? Is he mm. just championing a heel forever? I don't know. Does he turn? I don't know. So many things to unpack there, Stephen. So first yeah. of all, going back to WrestleMania 30, um, WrestleMania 30, you're right. It's the last time they had a baby face that was universally loved and, won the main event of WrestleMania, won the biggest match of the year, right? So that's phenomenal. You talked about WrestleMania 31. I think there are two different... You you are the person who bucks the trend on this, Stephen, because I think there are two different types of people. People who like WrestleMania 30 and people who like WrestleMania 31. You can't like the other. <laughs> they're two different. The WrestleMania 31, if you like WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania 31 is not for you. If you like WrestleMania 31, WrestleMania 30 is not for you. Um, you, as I said, are the person who bucks the trend, but I'm telling you, like... Yeah, that, is that so, a real kind of kind of clashing thing then? It's my thing. It's my thing. Okay. I, I I've got a theory about it. I I have spoken to some people who really love WrestleMania 31 and don't really rate WrestleMania 30, and vice and I don't rate WrestleMania 31 at all. Uh, or I don't mind it too much, but my the two my best mates who who watch wrestling hated it. Like core <laughs> of their soul hated it. Um and um. So, and I do think, I do think that you either like one or the other. I think the reason I say it is because for me, WrestleMania 30, the, the show itself, I'm not going to go into the build because the build is a minefield and we, I, we did talk about it quite a length in the podcast we did. But 
the the match the show itself is booked to perfection it is the emotion the drama the baby face winning at the end the popular victory the slaying of the dragon everything you could want yeah WrestleMania 31 is a company relying on a surprise to save a show that was going nowhere that's that's the difference between the two shows in my view so um yeah i find that really interesting Roman oh. Reigns, oh, no, you respond on that first. Go on, no, yeah, on I mean, I... <laughs> so WrestleMania 31, I am biased on, very, very biased. <laughs> um, I, I was going, I went to that show, and I hadn't been, to, I hadn't been since 25. So it's a big, big old gap there, and I was so looking forward to it. And then, like, we had the whole. Um, Daniel Bryan not winning the Rumble after he came back. And it's just like, it was awful. And Roman Reigns was in, it was terrible. It's terrible. And then all of a sudden <laughs> that week, Brock Lesnar's re-signed. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then it's like, that. he's going to be the, he's going to be the baby face. And, and it, it was, it was, you know what? It wasn't dissimilar to All Out in terms of, it was a show of solid wrestling matches with some surprises and moments rather than, you know, a G1 card where you've got, you know, five, 4.75 star matches on it. Um, and also in terms of my experience, and this this massively clouds it, um, we were sat, like literally couldn't have made it more, it couldn't be more perfect. And we just got regular seats in the low, you know, the hundred level seats in the in the on sale, but they happened to be in the in the stand at um Levi Stadium, which was kind of like the corporate stand, but it wasn't any more expensive. So we we literally sat down and the sun was like on our legs for about five minutes. And then we were just in the shade. Whereas the other side must've got horribly sunburned. because it was probably, I don't know, 25 degrees, you know, high seventies, early eighties for our American listeners. Um, and literally we sat there and it was like having a drink with my now wife. And it's just like, this, and it was four hours. And I was like, this is just, uh, so, it was so much, it was just so, so much fun. The NWO stuff, all that. And it was just like a, like a really fun experience. Um, but I know what you mean, watching it back. And I watched it fairly recently, actually. Um, watching it back, it's just not quite, it's not quite the same, I don't think. And, and you're right, there's no, there's no classic match on there. There's no, you know, Undertaker versus um Shawn Michaels or the Triple H match or anything like that in there it just isn't so yeah you're right it's a show of moments rather than it's 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 funny as well those moments hit differently depending how you watch it so you had the experience of being there I watched it so in the previous years to WrestleMania 31 I would have watched it with my mates uh you know in Bristol sat around the TV drinks and whatnot but that particular year, I was still working for WrestleTalk and they had been kind of part of the promotion for one of the WrestleMania parties that mm. take place. So I went, I was in London for that show with, you know, I don't know, five, three, three, four hundred other people watching it in the walkabout, wherever that is in, in London. I don't know, I don't know London that well. Um, and um, that was actually quite a good experience watching it there because you got to kind of experience some of the, some of the surprises with lots of people and there was lots of people really enthusiastic. I know, I no doubt that if I was at home with my mates watching it, <laughs> I would have hated it as much as they did. Um, because I think they hated the whole Steph triple H Ronda Rousey nonsense. Which went on longer than any yeah. match, didn't it? Yep. They yeah. hated it. They <laughs> hated the NWO stuff. I did as well, actually, if I'm honest. I thought it was just atrocious. I thought it was just so bad. <laughs> I was like, why are they coming out to help Sting? This doesn't... What? What's well, going on? the whole on? thing didn't really make any sense. No, it didn't make any Sting's sense. Sting's the saviour of WCW. Uh, what was it, 15 years uh, off? Or 14 years on, yeah. Yeah, and Triple H beat him. 
Yes. <laughs> what? Well, you know why, don't you? And, and it didn't happen, but they wanted to do the Rock and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie the following year yeah. at WrestleMania. But it didn't, obviously, it was it was Kurt Angle in the end. I think that was what they were trying to do. But yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was the Undertaker match, which was just a waste. Um, Cena with Rusev. Oh, come yep. on. Like, come on. Like, you can't cut the legs out of the guy just like that. So that, that was happened. bad, that Rusev. Just lots- Cena did it that year against him and beat Wyatt the year before. And yeah, Wyatt absolutely. Lost yeah, so these these up-and-coming people needed the win in those situations, didn't they, really? They did, they did. Yeah. So it was just, it was just, for me, looking back, I just, I understood why I didn't like it. Now, as I said, I watched it in a big crowd of people. It went mad for... Seth Rollins cashing in and all that stuff. But looking back, I was just like, you know what? It's so it's so weird. It's such a different company in terms of the way they booked that show compared to the previous year. And I and I've since then built up this slowly built up this kind of this uh kind of theory about there are two different people in life. One likes WrestleMania 30, the other one likes WrestleMania 31, and the two should not meet. But you obviously have a unique perspective because you were there and you had a great time, and yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, there's some. I mean, there's probably some WrestleManias that I think probably no one, no one likes. Some of them, are, some of which I've I've been to. But um, so I think what the worst one was. I mean, thirty three and thirty four both had the moment, like the odd moment. There's the Hardy Boys coming back, and then the other one you had Daniel Bryan coming back, and the uh, what was the other one at thirty four? Can't even remember. Thirty four. The, the, the match. The time when they, the end. The, sorry, the time when they finally had that Triple H. Ronda Rousey. Ronda, that was 34, yeah, yeah. That was really good. That was really yeah. quite good. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think um, there's, yeah, there's been some, there's, there's been some... 18 was pretty dire, to be honest. 18 was, other, yeah. other than Hogan and The Rock and um, Flair and Undertaker, that was an awful show. An awful, awful show. To the point where the, the I know Toronto, Winnipeg's a bit different, but they didn't get, I thought going into that main event, as badly as it was, you know, Bill, I thought they, they've got to be for Jericho here. People couldn't care. Half the upper deck was leaving during that match. I was just like, this is this is bizarre. The only thing that's been more bizarre than that in terms of WrestleMania, uh, Orton and Triple H was bad as well. Yes. But the, the worst one, the Lesnar-Reigns match in New Orleans at the Superdome mm-hmm. was bizarre because people were bashing beach balls around. No one, no one cared. And then all of a sudden, Lesnar, you thought was must lose this match. We won, and they're like, there was like a little little cheer for that, and then people were just like, "What on earth have I just seen? Like, what? How has this happened again?" But yeah, bizarre, bizarre. Anyway, let's get off. Let's get off uh, WrestleMania. Let's get on to Mid South. So, since our last chat on this, have you sit? Have you watched any Mid South? Are you diving back into this promotion eighteen months on? Completely, yeah. Just diving back in, like I literally mm. haven't watched anything since the last time we did. I think because of course at the time I was still on the timeline of the where I was in my network voyage. Yes, if you like. yeah. And so that was quite. A few, that was like a good eighteen months, I think, bef- behind where we were, where you were when we last uh, recorded. So I couldn't watch them anyway because I was kind of still doing that. And then and so obviously I didn't. And then as I said I've stopped doing that, but I haven't come back to it. So basically, yeah, I am like this is me dropped back in having time traveled for you know 18 months forward into mid-south so uh yeah quite the experience yeah it's quite an interesting show this one as well so we're back on for the show for september the 28th 1985 and at the desk of bill watson boyd pierce um bill in a rather snazzy gray sports coat i think uh, i thought what did you did you did you spot that no, I didn't spot that. But what I did spot was I was like, the first note I've got here is what the hell has happened to Boyd Pierce's suits? Where have they oh, gone? Oh, they're done. They're done. And I don't ah. know why, but they've, they've, he's had Mid-South 
kind of a Mid-South branded jacket for a long time. And actually, for even longer, for probably, if I had to guess, 10 weeks, um, built this, these two weren't on commentary. So um, Joel Watts and... Joel Watts and Jim Ross, a bit of a tongue twister there, <laughs> won it for, for weeks while um, Bill was basically coming out of retirement. Uh, but yeah, so these two, these two are back now, but no more, no more fashionometer, alas. Um, Boyd basically said that Dick Slater and Mad Dog Bud, crikey, I don't know what's wrong I can't speak this week. <laughs> Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer are both making their, uh, well, I think the one of them's making their mid-south debut and one of them's making their return. Sawyer was appearing for the first time since beating Magnum TA in Oklahoma way back in, in October 1983. Jake Roberts would be here, teaming with Jim Duggan, plus a fantastic take on the returning Ted DiBiossi along with his normal tag team partner, Steve Williams. And Bill thanked the people for coming to the taping as there'd been a tremendous storm that day. Uh, Butch Reed also defending the TV task against Bad Bob Brown. And then he went on to say that Kerry and Karen, Kevin Von Erich had won the American tag team titles in Tulsa from Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez. And they were given a big get well card for Mike Von Erich. I guess Mike Von Erich was in a bad way uh, around that time. I think he had toxic shock syndrome, didn't he? I think from, mm. from memory, from the various world-class and American tag team titles. They were the main tag team titles in world-class. So I guess you, you probably are more familiar with that than me, given your, your watching of that promotion. Yeah, they were. But again, you know, I my the last episode I watched of that would have been very early eighty three. So we're talking two years. Two years on, two yeah, years back on from that. So, um, so basically, they had this big card, and we got a bit of a got a bit of footage from this from Oklahoma. But I couldn't understand any of this promo from Kevin Von Erich. Could could you make this out at all? It was not a thing. And no, actually, yeah. I, I momentarily considered, and to be honest, I I got to be honest, I only watched this last night, and so I thought. But I momentarily considered watching it again, but on the network to see if it was any better. Oh quality. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I thought I'm I'm too tired and I've got to go into the office tomorrow. <laughs> and as it turned out, it was a very good idea because I was said I woke up at four o'clock this morning. So if I'd have done that, it would have been awful. So yeah, it... yeah I, I I did momentarily think I need to watch that because I have no idea what he said. No, I I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. I think probably just thanking people for their 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 sort of best wishes and stuff. Uh, back to Watts, he then went on to say that Ric Flair caused huge friction by saying he would only defend the NWA World's title against the North American champion. And Watts said Flair couldn't do that. And then he went on to put over what a prestigious title the North American belt was. And we got a recap of Steve Williams challenging Dick Murdoch last week. So loads going on to start the show here. Um, obviously diving back in after 18 months. What did you make of just how much they threw at the viewer to begin with here, plus the long replay of last week's big angle? Yeah, i got to be honest, I struggled with it a little bit because, first of all, I'll come to this later on again, but I also went back and watched the first 10 minutes of the previous week's shows because I'd listened to you guys, uh, not not the previous week's, the the, the, week, the show two weeks before, sorry, Yeah, because I listened to you guys with the two... Um, the two lads that you were speaking to a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I did just something piqued my interest. And I said, I'll come back to later, later on. But uh, so I just had a look and um, I was kind of like, wow. He, he, uh, sorry, Bill Watts's delivery at the beginning of that show seemed much more because um, he was interviewing the three of them. It seemed much more kind of natural, but here he was almost constantly reading yeah, he was, which he doesn't, it's unusual for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. Cause I was like, I've obviously I've seen him loads of times before. And I was like, this isn't what he's usually like. It's like he's forgotten a lot of stuff, or he, he or more likely is that there's loads of inserts. He knows they've got loads of insert videos. So he needs to make sure he, he orders it absolutely yeah. perfect. Cause they go, I, I did a thing. It's like 12 minutes before we even get the entrances for the first match. Yeah. 
So they really do a lot of recap here. And I found it just a bit of a problem because I said Bill Watts' delivery wasn't great. Um, and, but, and, and also, it, there was rather a lot of stuff going on. Yes. I, but as, as I said, I haven't listened to you guys a couple of weeks ago. I kind of, I, I sort of, it all lined up in my head because I was like, okay, there's this thing with Ric Flair and he's done this with the, the North American title and, and said that, you know, only the, that champion can face him for the NWA, NWA title. So I, it did get it, but it was just, yeah, it was kind of a lot of stuff. And I just thought, can we get to something more, I don't know, more contemporary? <laughs> it just felt very kind of, if you've been watching the show on a weekly basis before this, we're like, well, I know all this. <laughs> it was very jarring, I thought. And it was very unusual not to have, you know, introductions and a match. But we, as yeah. you said, we were quite far um, into this before a match actually happened. And they squeezed quite a lot of stuff in after that. Um, so back after this recap, Watts talked about the return of Ted DiBiase um, following his trip from Japan, trip to Japan and how he had left power of attorney with uh, Bob Sweetan to um, basically defend the tag team titles, which he and Williams had lost. So we then cut to the ring with Jim Ross uh, and DiBiase talked about, all three of them in the ring, DiBiase talked about Flair and said he was there to throw his name in the hat to become North American champion again. He talked about Reed's TV title and how it could be the stepping stone he needs. He said others in Mid-South get things when they want, but he doesn't get anything without leverage. Now he doesn't have the tag team titles. He doesn't have that leverage. And he talks about masterminding the ambush in the Superdome when he and Williams beat Roberts and the Barbarian with Sweetan's help. He said Sweetan blew it and no one does that to him. Sweetan said it was Williams who lost the fall and that led to Williams attacking him and he and DiBiase tossed him over the top rope and hopefully out of Mid-South forever. Um, DiBiase put a challenge out to the Mid-South tag team titles who he called paper champions and unfortunately we got more Sweetan as he attacked DiBiase from behind and ripped his lovely sport coat. Uh, <laughs> really like DiBiase here but again we just talked about it. Very unusual that we're quarter of the way through the show at this point and there's been no in reaction. What do you think of Ted DiBiase's promo here? Yeah, it was good. And it's really interesting. I was looking at them and obviously got Steve Williams next to him. And I was thinking, Steve Williams is smaller than I thought or DiBiase is bigger than I thought. But I watching them stood next side by side, it kind of struck me that DiBiase is a really big guy. He's a really big guy. Like he was taller. He's taller than Steve Williams. And I thought that doesn't, that seems wrong to me. Maybe I'm just re remembering Steve Williams wrong, but I was really taken aback by it. Um, but his promo is excellent. He's He's showing kind of the the chops that he will show for the rest of his career, basically. Yeah, you know, here. Um, and yeah, he's 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 really good. Um, I don't know much about Bob Sweetan other than apparently he was a real horrible bastard. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily Google him because it will just you'll just get worse. So yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so. So I was a bit like, okay. And I, to be honest, this was one of those things where I was kind of like, this is quite difficult having been dropped into this all of a sudden, yeah. because you're right. I, I kind of cottoned on to the fact that Steve Williams was the one who got pinned, but I don't think anyone says it explicitly. So they're talking about this tag team match where Bob Sweetan's obviously had power of attorney over that tag team belt. And Bob Sweetan says, well, I wasn't the one who got pinned, but he doesn't say Steve Williams was. So mm. I was like, hang on, who got pinned then? Who who was supposed to be his partner and who was the one who lost? Because obviously I haven't watched it before. So from that perspective, that was a little bit hard to follow. Now, I don't expect them to cater for people who aren't watching it at all. But maybe they should be, I suppose, because actually they're trying to attract people to the shows. But it just, it struck me that we've just had 
kind of such a lot of recap of storyline. And then this one really quite important detail <laughs> was almost left out. And I why didn't they really show it? Yeah. Yeah, I really to, exactly. And I yeah. really had to catch up with it. And I was like, oh, what, what, who, where? So it just it just struck me as a bit kind of strange because as I said, they put so much effort into recapping all this story. Why haven't we? Why, have, why haven't you? Yeah, no, I think that's out? completely fair. And um, after the break, yet more um, out of ring action, basically. And what's talked about Joel going to the Peach Tree Plaza in Atlanta to sign Dick Slater. We then got some funky music with Joe Joel talking, accompanied by Dick in the ring. He said Dick was an international star, and his wrestling style was as fast paced as his lifestyle was. He was then shown driving a car before we got the bombshell from Joel. He said, as vice president of Mid-South, I travelled to Atlanta to make the Sonic. When has Joel been made vice president of Mid-South? I was so shocked I could barely keep up with the next bit, which had Joel in a Navy suit, Navy plaid shirt and Navy tie. Clearly he likes Navy. He said that Slater had made some interesting comments during the signing. He was doing this like a kind of, news reporter kind of very softly spoken almost like whispering it which was it, i don't know if that was good or not really but we'll come on to your thoughts on that in a second slater sitting with dark journey who they didn't uh name basically said he, he doesn't usually sign anything unless he reads it and he knows he invited joel and he's affiliated with the people who put together this contract he said he's held every regional title he knows everything rest every wrestling hold and he's beaten everyone there is to be. He said he isn't revealing who he's going after as we get a great shot of Joel nodding along. He said he'll surprise the wrestling world. People have asked him who his lady is, but that's his business. Um, but for now, he's staying Atlant in Atlanta. But when he finally makes the Mid-South, someone's going to be in trouble, which didn't make any sense because he's basically resting in the next segment. Joel played this, as I said, like a news reporter. Um, again, this is really a different presentation. And I think overall, I did enjoy it. What did you think of... Joel's mission to Atlanta to sign Dick Slater here. Well, so first of all, I, well, I didn't know Joel was. Um, oh, didn't you? Okay, no. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I listened to you guys a couple of weeks ago and you didn't say Joel Watts, I don't think at any point, when, at least when I, what I heard, you said Joel a number of times, thinking that everyone knows who Joel is. And yeah. I said, who's Joel? I don't know who Joel is. Who's Joel? And then, and again, it was, you know, even, even here, Bill Watts was, you know, obviously wouldn't call him Joel Watts, but you know, he said, oh, Joel's off, you know, doing this. And I was like, who the bloody hell is Joel? And I've got in my <laughs> notes, right? Um, Dick Slater video package of him signing for Mid-South. Someone is hosting this. Didn't know it was until the end. And I was like, oh, it's Joel Watts. That's who we're talking about. It's yeah. About his son. I assume it's his son. Um, so then I was like, okay. So thinking about it re retrospectively. So Dick Slater as well. Um, I've seen him wrestle a fair bit in Mid-Atlantic prior to this. And he'd never really never really that interested in him to be honest mm. something about him i just don't find him that that interesting uh, a wrestler a attraction um and uh so but i did think this was well presented i did think they kind of put him over quite well as a kind of important guy with a fast lifestyle and all that kind of stuff i just don't think he looks the part that's the problem for me i just don't think he looks the part yeah less so certainly than sawyer later on definitely I yeah thought. yeah um, i just don't think he's really got the physique for it he doesn't really have the look for it he just felt like if this guy was living a fast life you'd feel like it was a bit of a sad life as opposed to <laughs> someone who was enjoying and was young and like you know kind of out there kind of you know lady killer type it didn't strike me as that it struck me as a guy who who probably you know his best days are behind him so I just it's but I did like the effort I certainly like the effort and I don't maybe you can tell me about this because obviously this is 85 junkyard dogs gone to WWF are, are they in a place where they're starting to sign 
lesser talents or are we because I'm looking through the looking through the roster that I saw on the show it didn't look bad but I just wondered are they are they now kind of left with what's left almost from I, th- I think what's happening around this time is so so the Rock and Roll Express and Terry Taylor are both gone so both gone to Crockett by this point and I think that Crockett's national expansion is really ramping up so um there there are people cycling in and out um but they haven't lost and I don't think they lose DiBiase actually until till the end and there's some there's some other people that will be coming in but yeah I think um there's certainly more new people and less less people that kind of went on to certainly WWF stuff in 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 there at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Crockett stuff particularly hurt him. Funnily enough, they had a segment on television, uh, two two segments actually, where um, it was allegedly sort of a fan letter asking what you know where are the Rock and Roll Express, where's Terry Taylor? And they answered it on there. I mean, I, perhaps that they were legitimate letters, but it was very unusual for. Um, a wrestling company to be honest and just say, look, mm. Rock and Roll Express have got a, an opportunity to go for the World, ta- World Tag Team titles. And I think they said something similar about Terry Taylor. They, uh, they, about Taylor, they said, oh, they've, they've, he's he's following Ric Flair in the Mid-Atlantic area to try and, you know, win the NWA World's title. And, and right. he was gone. No, he did come back eventually, Taylor. Um, so after this segment, we got Dick Slater's Mid-South debut against the brilliantly named Broadway Joe Malcolm. Um, and as you said, not hugely impressive, really. He won with a kind of an exaggerated fallaway slam in 146. Do you have anything to add on this? I mean, not, not a super impressive debut, really, here, I don't think, from Dick Slater. No, not really. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's a super impressive guy. That's the truth. Like mm. I, I said, I'd seen him three years before this, effectively, in Mid-Atlantic, and he wasn't that impressive then. And um, and yeah, it it was fine, but it it was no, it it was exactly the same introduction to most of the wrestlers I got the first time I watched a mid south show, which was just a squash with some, you know, relatively straightforward stuff. It didn't didn't it didn't single him out. Someone I was think, thinking, right, big star coming here. No, no, I agree. After the break, we got a recap of Jake Roberts going after the Barbarian and Duggan eventually making the save. And next up, my number two tag team at the moment in the Barbarian and Lord Humongous, <laughs> who Lord Oliver Humperdinck called the Guardians of the Gates of Hell. And they were going up against Columbo's brother, Tony Fork and Pat Rose. Um, did you get the Columbo gag there? Is I mean, the best joke yeah, was one you have to explain. Yeah, fantastic. No, I did, yeah. Good, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Watts then strangely talks about how it was odd that the Barbarian and Humongous, with their great bodies, would listen to Humperdinck, who he called a toad, which really made me laugh. Um, Watts had an interest aside here, as people had asked him why they booked these matches with big guys versus some smaller guys, but added that their opponents were over 225 pounds. They certainly were not. And as such, they had to have make a go of it in the heavyweight division. This is really interesting stuff from what some of these tangents. Um, the Barbarian came off the middle rope with a clothesline as Humongous held the poor victim up for the winning 153 as Watts screamed decapitation time. And he also added you couldn't hear the bones crunch or the meat smash at home. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Lord Humongous and the Barbarian here? Is the barba- Barbarian is... is- Berserker, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. Um, I, I wasn't going mad. The t- Tony Falk. I knew I recognised the name. I know. I know it's Peter Falk. <laughs> is the is Columbo. But I was like, why do I know that name? Like, it feels so. It feels so like familiar. I was like, where is it? Um, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I, I just think. Um, I think the thing is, is that, and this is completely a bias of having not watched, you know, Mid South wrestling until very late in my you know 
recently, I guess, in the last four or five years, and having watched WWF four years before, um, the the lack of people that I recognised is a problem now for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, I, I said, I kind of was certainly like, watching as a one-off, absolutely, because you're not getting the intros, the yeah, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of like that you're missing a lot of context, and you kind of it's less. You know, I think it was really fascinating when I was first watching it. I was like, oh, yeah, here's DiBiase, here's Junkyard Dog, here's Jim Duggan. You know, you know interesting, great stuff. And then, but now you're kind of faced with Humongous. Um, and, the, you know, the guy went on to be Berserker, but he didn't really, didn't do that for very long either, no. did he? Was a, so, I mean, like, you've just, it just feels a little bit less impressive. And they are big guys. They look good, but they, you know, it is what well, is a squash. I mean, it's not, not that exciting, but... I know that that's what mid south do most of the time. I guess it's just it's harder coming in cold to this. I think. Yeah, I be. agree. I think that's that's a really interesting point actually because it, this it wasn't like that when I first watched this because you had I, I I pretty much everyone was either I'd seen them in uh, ultimately in Crockett WCW later or WWF and, and actually now you're absolutely right. Some of these some of these guys are kind of territorial wrestlers from around this time. That, that may have done some bits and pieces, but certainly you wouldn't, you know, they're not on your flair collection DVDs and stuff like that, are they? So it is, it is a bit a bit different now. Um, back from break, Watts talks about Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, and we then threw to an interview with him from prior to the show with Jim Ross. He said he'd, he'd slapped Hogan around in New York and got kicked out. <laughs> he'd been in Atlanta and beaten everyone, but now... Uh, everyone in Mid-South needed to get ready. He'd actually been in, in Mid-Atlantic prior to this run in Mid-South and he'd done a one-month run in the WF in May and June of 1964. So it's possible he slapped Hogan around then. Um, we then got Sawyer versus Richard Dunn. Um, this was a highly aggressive and short squash match which ended in 51 seconds via a power slam that looked quite on the dangerous side as I thought Dunn's head was coming or came dangerously close to the mat here. I thought this was better than um, better than the Dick Slater squash. Uh, what did you think of Mad Dog here in the promo and also in the match? Yeah, I thought he came across as the Mad Dog ultimately, which is what they were trying to do, which was good. Um, funnily enough, you said about the dangerousness. There's something that happens later on that I thought was really dangerous. Oh, quirky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I've never seen Buzz Sawyer before. This is interesting. Or, or if I have, I hadn't noticed him or I hadn't remembered him. So this was different for me. I, I was interested to see him because I know he's you know, not an inconsequential name in pro wrestling. Um, and it, yeah, he looked, he looked good. I thought that it, it, if the art of what Mid-South is, is getting your character over in about a minute and a half he did a really good job yeah i agree next up jerry gray and the unmasked nightmare going up against the dream team of jake the snake robertson hacksaw jim duggan what's talked about trying to sign a pole match for next week plus yeah. eddie gilbert <laughs> has an audacious offer for all of the young ladies which i can feel myself cringing out of my skin <laughs> recapping before i even know what it is yeah um, total squash here again with roberts winning with the ddt so a huge reaction from the crowd in 146 Interesting that the nightmare here has basically been well and truly relegated into this role now, having recently had a run with the North American title. But since he's been unmasked, he is well on the enhancement side of things. Uh, what did you make of this short appearance from Jake and Duggan here? It's a pity they weren't in a bit of a longer match, unfortunately. Yeah, interesting as well, though. So, again, Jake Roberts, I'd seen in Mid-Atlantic. Obviously, I've seen WWF, his WWF stuff, but I'd seen in Mid-Atlantic before this as well. And he was very over then. And he's very over here, 
And he's clearly just a guy who gets over everywhere he goes. The yeah. DDT is massively over. Um, he does it, you know, at the end and everyone goes mad for it. And I didn't, but weirdly, I thought he was in as bad a shape as I've seen him in for around yeah, this time. Yeah. Like in 19, I said 82, when he was in Mid-Atlantic, he was in better shape than this. He was thinner, actually. He was quite slim. He looked, you know, if you imagine his WWF days and sort of the peak WWF, um, he was considerably slen- more slender in the early 80s than, than then. But here he looks quite flabby and not kind of, he, don't go wrong, he was never an amazing physical specimen. But in the WWF, he still had a veneer of, of muscle, but here he just felt quite flabby, I thought. And yeah, not, I, not I noticed good. that at the start of this match, actually, interestingly, as well. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe uh, too many carbs that week, Jake. I mean, <laughs> come on, you got to put on TV, you top off. But, yeah. yeah, any other thoughts on this one before we move on to the next bit? Not really. Duggan um, is, I, I found, is it is it odd that I'm finding it strange that we have two hacksaws? Uh, no, I don't, I, I, it is odd, but it's, I, I guess if he, if people knew them both as hacks off other places, I suppose that's probably less odd and they just, they just come in, but they never, they've never, to my knowledge, they've never talked about that and, and said, you know, oh, I'm the real hacksaw or anything like that. <laughs> and they've not had a hacksaw off or something like that. It just felt like you don't need to call Butch Reed the hacksaw. You could just call him Butch Reed. You're fine. Yeah, You've got yeah. a name for him. Jim Duggan isn't even called Jim Duggan, is he? He's called Hacksaw Duggan. So you know, you kind of need Hacksaw to be in the name, but yes, with yeah. Patrice, you're like, just call it Patrice. You're, you're yeah, exactly. Yeah, no exactly. <laughs> exactly. Next up, Bad Bob Brown, who's a total specimen going up against the television champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, Watts talks about a negative bit of fan mail they've received about Reed being a muscle-bound <laughs> stiff. And then he went on a long tirade about Reed's accomplishments and how critics need to check themselves. And there was a really scary moment here as Reed went over the back of Brown in an attempt to, I'm not sure what. Um, Watts then compared it to OJ Simpson, which is a reference that hasn't really done well over time. <laughs> uh, and Reed won with the press time in 258. Again, I don't think there's much to this. Um, what did you think of the match? And also some of Watts's um, lovely tangents here during the, during the action. Yeah, what was he talking about with that criticism? I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is clearly a guy who is just so into this. Like, he's so consumed by making a go of this and and trying to tell stories and try and, like, get his guys over and sell tickets and all this kind of stuff. So he's obviously re- he obviously received something. Either somebody's written something somewhere or they've written in and told him or whatever that they think this about Madrid. And... He's not gone, you know what, this is one weirdo. It's fine, I'm just going to chuck that away. He's decided that he's going to really concentrate on it and bring it up during the broadcast and answer it during the broadcast. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure you want to do that. because He's so you- annoyed about it, yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, you're just calling attention to it now. Like before, it was one person. Mm. <laughs> now it's everyone who's watching the show is going to have a, at least think about it. Like well, exactly. That's a really good point, actually. Why, why draw attention to something potentially negative and make people, well, actually, um, I think the thing for Reed at, at this time, he'd had a fairly significant knee injury. And I'm a bit all out of my t- in my timings, but maybe six to nine months before this, possibly a bit longer than that. But I think by all accounts, him in the early 80s was like an unbelievable athlete. But I think physically hard schedules etc he probably was a little bit past the physical peak that obviously was around for a long time after this so i wonder if it was in reaction to some of that but yeah it was a bit of an odd one i thought it was just really strange i just was like what why are you talking about this this, yeah. doesn't, this doesn't make sense um but like as i said it just it really struck me as someone who's just so in, into what he's doing and just desperate to make it 
work as well as he can and couldn't ignore this whatever it was a letter a review i I, I mean i guess that probably was was Meltzer around then i imagine he was was uh he was yeah i've got some of the newsletters from uh from 85 and 86 which are um i mean they're not great reads if i'm honest i bought them for i bought them predominantly for well entirely for this podcast right around the time that we're at at the moment if you get two paragraphs in Mid-South, um, you're <laughs> lucky. And they weren't cheap either. So probably one of my worst all-time purchases. <laughs> um, so yeah, next up, the former Mid-South Tag Team Champions of Dr. Death, Steve Williams and Ted DiBiossi versus the Fantastics. A few boos for our heroes on entering the ring here as Watts touched on in recent weeks. So I think the guys in the crowd at the Irish McNeil Boys Club were not completely behind the Fantastics by this point. And yet another really iffy moment at just over four and a half minutes as yes. Rogers flipped over Williams, completely out of control, but managed to just land okay. And then almost straight afterwards, Fulton had a really scary moment when he flipped off Williams' back and looked like he landed on his head. So that was the tape, one. Yeah, this taping was like really full of these sort of dodgy moments. Um, this this kind of ended a bit as I thought it would do, as a lot of DiBiossi... And Williams matched against other names, talent ended, and he loaded the glove basically and struck Fulton just before the six-minute mark with a ref's back turn for the win. I thought this was good, but as I said, I, f- I felt like I knew what the finish was going to be before the start. So, yeah, it kind of brought it down a little bit for me. Uh, what did you think of the um, Dots Death and Ted DiBiossi versus Fantastics match here? So, obviously, this was the best match on the show. Not that that's yes. really something I'm sure that you pay much attention to. Um, the... The thing I thought about, first of all, absolutely, the, the Bobby Fulton one was the one I was really kind of like, whoa, whoa, guys, just slow down. Like, come on, what, what, don't, don't be doing that. Like, he almost, as you said, he basically landed on his head. It was a very scary moment, in my view. Um, and to your point, I think I also knew exactly what the ending was going to be because I think he had been doing this since at least 1982. Um, oh, he had, yeah, he had been in that big run in that year, definitely. Yeah, so, so like the same thing with the glove and the, the loaded glove, and I was just like, yeah, well, I, I mean, credit to them that they could run with something like that for such a long time. I mean, I don't know, may, maybe three years isn't as long as I imagine, and of course, I always think that the the further back you go, the longer those years feel. Like I think now, going off, try, I've got all going off a little bit, but DiBiossi had been a heel by this point for about three years. He turned heel in 82. Um, someone like Dolph Ziggler, for example, has been in WWE for like 13 or 14 years. Yes, so it's, yeah, I, I agree. I guess that right now we are, um, we're kind of uh, in a, uh, we're in a, an age where time, or at least to us, because we're getting older, the, the, the years just seem to last longer, or, sorry, last less. So three years probably wasn't that much, but it did feel like, this is a bit predictable because even I haven't been watching this at all for three years in terms of the timeline, know what's coming, which yeah. isn't, isn't a great look, but it, it was fun. It was a fun match. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what's ran down, what was in store next week before we got a replay of the Lord Humongous video? I've, I've recapped this before, but what did you think of, uh, of Humongous stomping his way around this warehouse? This was funny, but also, where did Taz music music come from? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a great, what a great tune as well. I mean, I think this fits him so well. But yeah, this was uh, this is quite a funny, not not top tier because Joel Watts does um, all of these videos. That's what he, you know, was primarily <laughs> was his role along with being a commentator. But not a top tier Joel, um, but certainly solid in the in this well, kind of second tier. Well, this is what I wanted to come on to because 
the thing that I that did pique my interest a couple of weeks ago was how much, how like delighted you were with the video package. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I got, I'm going to have to watch it just to see you know, what he's talking about. We're winning by Santana was the, was the video package. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think, Stephen, you've been watching Mid-South for too long. <laughs> because it's all right. It's all right. But I'm not sure it warranted how far over the top you went with it. I mean, week. how many? I think I can't, I can't think what how many episodes I've done of this now. So I think Loads, I've probably yeah. done... Uh, I mean, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost exactly two years of television. So if you do, I mean, I don't know how many, uh, so what's that? So 45. So I've watched 78 hours of Mid-South at this point. So when you, when you're getting, you've got like a squash, that's a minute and a half and some, some, you know, to be fair, in terms of episodic television, when it's good, it's really, really good. But there are some weeks just like there's nothing. And then yeah. I just a video like that, it's just like, oh, it's just so, so good. I like <laughs> it so much. But I think you're right. Perhaps I'm like, they talk about the old Titan sports bubble, don't they? In WWE. Perhaps I'm just too, <laughs> I'm too in the Mid-South bubble, unfortunately. I said on a podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and maybe, maybe this is maybe this is something for me for retirement, but the, 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 the thing I'd really like to do is I'd like to take a, like a year probably an 80s year, uh, maybe a late 80s year, um, and just watch everything. So I literally, every single territory that's around, you know, get some stuff from Japan, um, you know, all the weekly TV and literally just go through it week by week, throw some pop culture and stuff in there as well with some films and even listen to some music and stuff. But I think that might be a, if I ever win Euro Millions, I might be knocking on your door to come and help me with that. Yeah, so, I'd definitely yeah, be up for yeah. that. Be, that would be awesome. Like I, I, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that I think about. Um, the, the, the only idea for a podcast that I had when I was thinking about ideas for one was going back to the start, to going back to Survivor Series 97, to the moment we talked about where I was like, this opened my eyes to the fact that there wasn't an, an insider part of the business. But taking someone I was working with at the time, he was about 20 years old, so he's much younger than I am, and watching it with him, he doesn't even really like wrestling and, and kind of seeing, he kind of likes it a little bit, but not massively. Yeah. And just seeing his reaction to that period and at the same time open his eyes to the insider stuff of the business, I just thought that was the only thing I could think of that would be a little bit different and kind of interesting, but something like that, where you're really kind of going into it in depth and almost opening your eyes to things you haven't seen before. If you do it, 1987, can I suggest 1987? Oh, show what? that. I was going to think, I was thinking 89, but 87 right. would, but perhaps that's because Rick Flair and Ricky Steamboat's in that, you know, I want to know there's at least some good stuff in there. WrestleMania yeah, 3 as well. Yeah, 87 would be really, really good. I, I don't know. I think I keep, I keep going backs and forwards as to, as to, I enjoy, I enjoy doing this, but it is it is a big time different kettle of fish yes. in normal life. And, and virtually all of the podcast was in some form of lockdown. So I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna keep it going until the switch over to the UWF. And I'd like to keep it going after that. But when you think about in your mind that's that's you know another just over two years of commitment, that's quite hard. So <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, I, see, we'll see where we get to. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask you about that, what what your kind of your plan were for it because I, I thought I mean I guess ultimately yeah the UWF might be a good thing although isn't that kind of it doesn't it kind of it's, it's not that long now to, till it turns over to the UWF is it 86 yeah I think it, yeah so we're, 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 quite, we're quite close so yeah um 
we yeah i think it's early 86 actually yeah so okay i will probably do i'll probably do 86 as a minimum um but it just yeah it's just it's just difficult isn't it i think i think the the, the setup i've got now is is a bit better in doing the multiple episodes mm. so you can't you can kind of dive in and dive back out again because well i don't do a lot of it's really good to catch up and do some 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 present stuff but i don't tend to do that too much on the show now because it just dates it um but this is good that we're you know this is recorded on thursday coming out on the tuesday so so that is that is good but yeah that's that's maybe that's a podcast for another another day but going back to this episode that is it that's the september 28 965 episode of mid-south wrestling in the books it felt like this was moving 100 miles an hour with debuts and promos um it was it was it was fine it was decent as you said lots of lots of short matches but what uh, ben what are your final thoughts on this uh this september 28 965 episode well when i first watched it i thought that because they've got this the pattern they certainly used to anyway when i was watching it which was one week they would do a kind of recap of everything that was going on, get everybody up to speed. And then the next week they deliver a bunch of storylines and in angles and whatnot. And then they do the next week, they just go back to kind of recapping and just lots of squashes. So when I first watched it, I after immediately after thought, Oh, that was one of the recap episodes. And then I, then I went back into it. I was like, well, kind of, but then we had the DBRC uh, Bob Sweetan thing at the beginning, which was presumably a, a, uh, sort of swerve or a turn or you know some kind of whatever um, Dick Slater's debut and you know um, Buzz Sawyer's debut and you've got a fairly decent little main event there I know nothing major happened but it was still Ted DBS and Steve Williams was the fantastic so I was then a bit like well maybe it was maybe it's a bit of both maybe it was a recap episode and one that delivered some new stuff and some kind of angles and whatnot so it was it was okay. It was okay. It was very hard being dropped back into nothing. Yeah, having not watched it forever. And I think we when we spoke about this last time, I said because I'd been watching, as I said, Mid South, World Class, Mid Atlantic, and WWF Weekly Show uh, almost kind of together at the same time, week hmm. to week. And Mid South was my favorite of those shows because it was much more episodic, and you felt like someone was thinking about the storylines like mid-atlantic for me is the worst of those four because it's just the same thing every single week like just a whole big blur of heels against a whole big blur of faces and they just constantly gang together and fight each other and it just lasts like it's like that forever like all every week whereas mid-south always felt like there's this little thing going on it between these two guys. There's this little tag team thing going on over here. There's this, you know, it felt like they were a bit more separate and it was just, there was more than one thing happening all the time, but maybe that's the weakness of coming back into it. Um, suddenly is that you haven't got that episodic thing yeah, anymore. Yeah. And now it's just a bunch of squash matches and you're like, well, okay, but <laughs> I mean, it's great. To, it's, it's nice as a kind of one-off. Oh, no. How do I put that? How do I put this? It's hard. Cause I'm going to concentrate myself. Now what I mean is, if you only watch it as a one-off, you feel like that's kind of nice as a one-off because you're visiting a time period that you perhaps wouldn't have watched in a promotion you perhaps wouldn't have watched. But I know it's better than this when you watch it week to week. So Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps if you're up for it, perhaps we'll do maybe do a couple of episodes in one go because that's that I think that's yeah. because you, you see the you see the kind of um some of the build and stuff I think also it's difficult sometimes with the with with the one well actually we even sometimes it happen, happens with the three you, you, you sometimes some sort of host will be on and you get three episodes and there's just nothing happening and mm-hmm. then sometimes you get like um there was one week where Joel was doing a uh what was he doing like a it was basically 
um, Ted DiBiase and Hacks and Jim Duggan had like a best dressed man competition, and Joel had like an audienceometer, which was, it was one of the best things I've ever seen in wrestling. And like, just just fortunately, whoever whoever got to watch that one, it's like an <laughs> unbelievable angle. And they had like a backstage brawl, which was really revolutionary. But it is, you know, pick up an episode of WWF Superstars from you know 1990. You you might have the most dire week you could ever possibly imagine, or you might have you know. Hulk Hogan getting squashed by earthquake on one of them. So yeah, that's that's the thing. And anyway, Ben, how can people find you on Twitter? Tell, tell us about your podcast and your works and stuff at the moment. Yeah, so um, at the moment uh, I am doing a podcast called The Random Wrestling Review with two of my longtime friends. We've known each other since school. In fact, one of them I've known since I was two, um, and we we've been to WrestleMania together. And um, we do a as I said we we review one show every single week we take both an analytical and a very irreverent look at those shows we've done shows from kind of 1985 right through to said aw all, all out 2021 we've done ecw shows nwa shows wcw nxt shows um and we've done kind of we haven't just gone for the big hits so we've done things like wrestlemania 30 and 19 and we've done um you know, ECW One Night Stand 2005, for example. But we've also done really random stuff like Judgment Day 2007, I think we did. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And the Bash for, uh, 2000 and something. I don't even know what year it was now. Um, so we've done like kind of quite random stuff. We are unashamedly and, un, and we do not lie about the fact that we have been brought up watching WWE. So it's really interesting sometimes, I think, to hear my two co-hosts talking about WCW shows because they have a have a an un like almost they are unable to stop themselves from being biased against it sometimes because yeah. it's WCW. Um, but you know, so we've we've been kind of exploring some of the stuff there. So we've done loads of WCW shows, including the Great American Bash '88, but not the pay-per-view. One of the house shows that led up to the pay-per-view. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Yeah. It was a whole whole tour of like 40 dates ultimately. And they had that and they got one of them, a two-hour show recorded on the network. So that's really cool. Um, and so yeah, we so we just flit about the place. So we're quite irreverent, we're extremely explicit. So anybody watching, if you have <laughs> if if you sorry, anyone listening, if you have, you know, if you want to check it out, great, that would be amazing. But be warned, it's it is disgusting. Um, <laughs> it, I would, I would, I would say effectively that our show is kind of like a, a really good analytical podcast about something. For example, a totally football show, maybe you might argue, um, mixed with the BBC Two UK sitcom Bottom from the nineteen nineties. Oh yeah, big fan, big fan of that. Yeah, <laughs> we are huge fans of it, and it is you. If you ever listen to it, you will you will recognise it instantly that we are heavily influenced by it. Just to give you a little bit of a kind of preview of that kind of stuff. The, the one of the most recent episodes started with one of my co-hosts saying, I'm really sorry, guys, I hate to do this. And I can't believe I've got to do this, but I really got to go take a shit. <laughs> and that's the start of the episode. So that kind of gives you a little bit and it gets, honestly, that's not even the worst. It gets, it gets honestly disgusting at times. We, we do drop the C bomb an awful lot. It is properly disgusting sometimes. So yeah, it's, um, but we, we like to think we get the balance somewhere. Right. But basically I think, you know, there are lots of podcasts that review wrestling, especially ones that review pay-per-views randomly. So that was our kind of USP is we, we just, we were three mates who have no problem saying anything to one another. So we do. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if you like that kind of thing, 
you might find it funny. If you don't, then I completely understand, and I I just wanted to warn you. But that's so. Yeah, we are on Twitter at RWR Pod UK is our podcast. Uh, is our podcast Twitter? I'm at Tim Holloway, as you said at the start, Stephen. We do a, a podcast every week and um, put it out there. It's usually about two hours, but it, the longest one went over three. Uh, as you've heard from this conversation, I can take the conversation in lots of different directions. Yeah, we always like a tangent on mid-sub moments. So that's all good. <laughs> so yeah, that does regularly happen. I think um, most recently, the last episode we recorded, we went on quite a big tangent about the career of the 90s pop star Kavanagh. I don't know if you remember Kavanagh. Ah, yeah, I do. He was he was involved in a lot of the... Um, did you watch any of the kind of... Um, I was going to say Back from the Dead, but that sounds awful. I didn't, I didn't, but it did come up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, but it did come up. And there was some kind of band that got together, which included someone from Blazing Squad and somebody, uh, Gareth Gates, Kavanagh, and two others, I can't remember anymore. (laughs) But so we do go in like some crazy directions. And as I said, it it is pretty disgusting at times. Um, There's lots of swearing, lots of... Um, just taking the mick out of each other. You know, um, one of our number is is lost his hair some, some years ago. In fact, he's called Old Man. His nickname is Nick Old Man. He's been Old Man since we were at school. And um, he just happens to now have got gone bold. And so it's just added to the whole the whole allure. And um, so, yeah, we, we pretty much rip into shreds every week for that um, alone. And that's just one thing. So, yeah, it's... I don't, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm probably not selling it the best, but ultimately, it's still very analytical. And we, um, the, the probably the episode I'm most um, proud of was the WrestleMania 30 episode, actually, because we did when we talked about Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, obviously Undertaker's streak being lost. We covered that really well, so we spent a good half hour, forty minutes, just talking about that match and the various parts of it that were kind of important in terms of, you know, why they did it, should they have done it, all the, you know, did the commentators know what happened with the, the concussion, all that kind of stuff. So there is quite a lot of in-depth analysis, but it also goes on these massive tangents. Apologies. Well, I, like, I, I think, no, no, I, I love it. I, I think some, sometimes, especially because I, I listen to as well, I think some of the best stuff is just the kind of, like one of the, one of my favourite ones, I don't know if you've, you've ever listened to these guys. Um, they used to work for live audio wrestling, but John Pollock and Waiting, I don't know if you're familiar then, now now the guys that run post-wrestling. But right. my favourite bits of their podcast are the bits they're just talking about their life. Like I almost, can, especially like a raw review. So I just, I give me 15 minutes you talking about your, you know, your, you know, your stuff. And then I'll just skip the rest of it because I'm not really interested. So I think that, I think the balance between the two is always, is always the best. But Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure talking to you for a couple of hours tonight and um, we're definitely not going to wait 18 months next time um <laughs> until next time so yeah thank you very much again and for all you listening out there thank you so much for supporting the show and we shall speak to you all again very very soon yeah this is eric watts and for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast please do me a favor if you're looking at uh more information about mid-south sports power pro wrestling universal wrestling go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website it's a must see